Two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. <laughs> it's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step Ladies and gentlemen, the C O double M O N synonym for fresh truth is the What? What? Welcome back to the second mouse podcast. The fuck out of here with that. <laughs> Come on, a little bit more. Bring bring it, you know, we need energy. Energy. Welcome back to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Got him. Cl- closer. That was closer. That was one more time. Good. Tom, that was, no, that Tom, was pretty. That let, was pretty let's hear yours, good. Tom. Let's hear yours. Welcome back no, to the Second Mouse Podcast. Good. <laughs> fucking good. Tom, this is not Pornhub, okay? Well, goddamn well, folks. Welcome back. What's up, bitches? Hope everyone's doing well. Hope everyone who was watching the NFL playoffs this week either enjoyed themselves or drank enough to forget about their feelings. But uh, guys, how you doing? How you feeling? I'm um, fucking peachy. Um, I have 24 hour supervision right now after the Giants lost, so I don't know. So you know, I <laughs> I, I don't I, I figure we're gonna get into it, but like, it, it's so sad, man. What a great year. Just to fucking end, like getting fucking bitched like that by the worst fan base of all time. It was okay. Yeah, let's just get this out of the way so people can enjoy the rest of this podcast. Um, yeah, it was, it was like the giant season up and down, right? It was either we were all we were all in and and the sky's the limit, or we were fucking bottom of the barrel, fucking just fishing for nothing. Like we were. We were so we were so like bipolar as as a team this year. It was yep unbelievable. I, I, I think I think it's kind of sad, right? Because like ultimately, if like if someone had asked me in the beginning of the year, like or told me in the beginning of the year, spoiler alert, you guys are gonna beat win a playoff game and you're gonna lose in the divisional round, I would have said you're fucking insane, and I would have been like, like if I would have signed up for that immediately. But, like, the reality is that, like, once you start winning, expectations change immediately, despite the fact that they were winning in despite of a shitty roster. So, like, I know all of that. But it it just sucks that it had to be Philly, and it had to be for the NFC Championship game, and it, it had, had to, to be, be a crushing. blowout. Yeah, they had to be a blowout. Oh, the soul-crushingness like, of it. I would have rather lost like we did um, against Minnesota originally to where it's like a 63-yard field goal we lose. Because at least we can go like, man, we fucking had them. We didn't have them for a fucking second. <laughs> it wasn't even there, – there wasn't even a glimmer of hope, I think, yeah. from from probably like the the second like offensive possession on. Like there was just no hope left. It was it was, it, it was was bad. Over. Well, they went for the fourth down almost immediately, which, by the way, I'm good with. Like go for it because you're, you're in our territory and all that. So like go for it. But – 
what's weird though is like in the third quarter, he like Dable decided to punt in that same zone, and I'm like, they're already down like fucking four scores. So it, it was just frustrating because, and it's also I Nick Sirianni fucking hamming it up on the camera really fucking rubbed me the wrong way. Well, um, you know what? That's that's also on the the production team for being like, let me show all these poses of Nick Sirianni like being thirsty for the cameras. Like, give me more. <laughs> but it, and of course, it had to be, and it had. And by the way, I want to point out that there's been a lot of revisionist history happening in the last few days of Dave Gettleman. That people have been basically saying, like, hey, look at all the guys he drafted that are thriving. Like, he drafted Daniel Jones and Dexter Lawrence and all these guys. Mind you, none of them flourished until they finally actually had good coaching, which he could never deliver. But what a fucking indictment is that the biggest, like, the biggest contracts he gave out ultimately put us in a position where we had no money in the beginning of the year. And who did we have to release because we had no money? James fucking Bradbury. Who had that interception that completely like sold Yikes. the game out james bradbury going to a division rival to fuck us in the divisional round it perfect like this is like i don't want to hear another goddamn thing about dave gettleman well i think the the love for dave gettleman was i heard that a little bit in the vikings game too oh right after yeah. i think it's more like the laymen who don't really follow a lot of football and don't understand it they're like you know, the guy who was here before built the foundation for this team. The guy who was there before got fired because the foundation that he built included Kenny Galladay, who mm-hmm. had like two catches the entire year. Now, I am not a Giants fan, and I know you guys are hurting right now. You're a little upset, but I want you to think about this. We had the same conversation during the year when there was a little bit of a rough patch that the Giants were going through. This team was not supposed to be good. This team was not supposed to go anywhere. Yeah. Wasn't supposed to make the playoffs. Wasn't even supposed to win a playoff game. Yeah. And I know they got pretty they got beat pretty hard by the host. Eagles, but the Eagles are also a team that everyone has been saying is going to go to the Super Bowl since like week 5. I I've said that the Eagles have the best roster in football. It's They're, and I I think the Niners are pretty close to that. Um, so that's why it's going to be a really good matchup between the two of them. But like, yeah, the, the Giants have a bottom five roster. It's not even close. Howie Roseman is clearly the executive of the year. I mean, the Eagles defense is insane. All they have to do, they, they rush four every single time. They don't have to rush anything more than four people. They have two linebackers and like five DBs on the field and they just sit there. They get a pass rush off of four guys you typically have to keep six in to like even just stop them. And they just sit on routes and they jump them. And yeah, it's like, so, it's, yeah. So my point here is if I'm a Giants fan, I'm feeling better because having no real consistent wide receivers the entire year, having an offensive line that was beat up, having a, mm-hmm. a hodgepodge of guys that you had to play because of injuries and the, fin- the, the cap situation. Yeah. They got blown out in a game that they weren't supposed to be there for. You want to play better, but at the same time, like imagine what next year is going to bring. And I I will say too, and I don't know if you guys will like this, it might bring that Daniel Jones hype back down to earth a little bit. So So you're not maxing this guy out with like a five-year, $150 million contract. 30,000 30, foot view is is obviously better. And then Mario's 110% right. Um, Dallas was a nice consolation prize, but we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> At least the formations made sense 
for the Giants. <laughs> yeah, Zeke at center. I mean, that fucking genius shit right there. Very normal right there. Yeah, I think I think with the Giants, though, I mean, it was like you saw like day and night, very stark contrasts in, in offenses um, on that field. I think the defense was just obviously outmanned by, you know, the Philly offense. Like they just couldn't stack up. They've been getting crushed against the run all year. I, what did I say yeah, to you when we were sitting there? Dude, I mean, they, 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 they they're going to outside zone run every single time and it's going to work. And they like uh, they knew it was coming and they couldn't stop them. Yeah, I I think most people are just disappointed that the offensive the offensive play calling and scheming was dramatically different and it felt like you know they they had over they had over game planned in their minds mm-hmm. like Kafka was like, "Look, this is what we've been doing really well and this is what they're preparing for, so we're going to do the exact opposite." But the problem is the exact opposite was getting us nowhere. And we could never pull off, so we had mm-hmm. to go to that. And it was like, eh, you know. Well, I, I think the the problem with that though is they weren't supposed to win that game against Minnesota, and they said, you know what, this is a blank check game. We could do whatever we want. And then once they won that game, and they said we're going to have to play Philly, exactly what you said, Gatto. Like there started to be more like overthinking instead of playing loose, not worrying about it. Now you're starting to outthink your own scheme to say like. Now you're trying to think like three or four steps ahead when it was just like, let your athletes go out there and play and they'll make plays. And in I some honestly, cases that happens. It's, it's and, still a young team with not a ton of playoff experience as long as well as with the coaching staff too. Ingram. <laughs> no, Mario, absolutely not. No, Evan Ingram. I, fucking, I can't stand that guy. Um, yeah, that – that I could agree with. Fucking with tight end. Butterfingers. I mean, Daniel Bellinger is a young guy. So they, I mean, again, he's, got a lot of shown, good. He's shown talent. Yeah. He just got, he had a bad season with the eye he's, injury. He broke his fourth, eye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was fourth round pick. So you don't expect money much from a fourth round pick in general. And he actually outperformed that uh, by a lot. I think 30,000 foot view. You're, you're in good, you're in good hands. Uh, Joe Shane and uh, Dable actually had a press conference today. I didn't watch the whole thing, but Someone asked him about Daniel Jones, and he said he pretty much said he will be back next year. So it seems like they're going to franchise him, and like they're going to try and work something out. But like, I doubt he's going anywhere at this moment. So, but again, you know, it might just be GM speak at this point. So, I mean, this is going to be a real test for Shone, right? Like, as far as difficult tests ahead or difficult roads ahead, it's here's my concern. Something that he's got to he's he's going to be tested right away with. If I can be concerned about something, here's my concern. They do have some money coming up this year, but between paying. So even if Daniel Jones takes the franchise tag, I think that's like thirty three million. Saquon has to be resigned. So if you resign him, it's anywhere from 13 to 15. Dexter Lawrence is going to be he's got one more year, but you typically would probably want to sign him now instead of waiting. And then they also are going to have to deal with Andrew Thomas soon. He's going to be in line for an extension soon. And also Julian loves a free agent. Isaiah Hodgins is a restricted free agent. So you start looking at the numbers and you're like, they don't really have as much money as you think if they're going to commit to these core group of guys, which I think you can kind of go back and forth on. I honestly putting it out there. If the Indianapolis Colts call and offer picks for Daniel Jones, like high picks, I would take it. And I, and I think the, the challenge for this year for Shane is how much 
money are they going to be able to strip away from the salary cap where it's not dead money that's sitting on the cap? Right. And that might be tricky because we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, how Gettleman structured a number of those contracts where they were lucrative for players, but not really team yeah. friendly. And I want to be clear. We are advocates of players getting their money and not getting for fucked sure. over by teams. But in for the sure. same vein, you have except a lot Kenny, of... Except for Kenny Galladay. Yeah. You, you made enough already. Thanks for coming, production. Ken. You can pick uh, up your game check and your deodorant when you leave. So I think they currently have about $5 million in dead cap right now, which is like very low considering. But Kenny Galladay, I think it's $14 million if it's a pre-June 1st cut. $7 million if it's a post-June 1st. They're going to probably want that like money right away. So I would assume that they're going to probably take the $14 million hit. And then I think um, for Leonard Williams is, is kind of iffy, but he said he was open to a restructure and a pay cut. So he wants to play next to Dexter Lawrence. So, and Saquon, by the way, also said that he's not concerned about resetting the market at running back. So he said, I, I understand I've been injured, which also makes me nervous because like, it's not a good negotiating bet. So, like, does he like feel like he's wearing down? Does he feel like he's not going to be healthy over the next few years, and he's just trying to get a deal? I don't know what to think about that. I mean, you know, when you start to break down like his career so far, there's been lots of gaps where he's been injured, and you take the good with the bad, right? You have again some really good highlights, and then you have. A lot of moments where you're like, will this but guy injuries. ever get it going? Well, that 38-yard you know? run he had against Philly, I, I feel like in his rookie season, he 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 hits the he hits the the end zone on that one and he got caught. So I have to wonder, Barkley to New England, you wish. Um, maybe in a trade, yeah. If you want to give us a first round pick for him, then sure. Um we're not gonna anything anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mac Jones will will miss him in the flat by about 10 feet. Uh, so I'm just, I'm, I'm a little concerned about that, but if, I mean, if he signs a pretty team friendly deal, then I can't really be like too concerned about it because he is still very good, but like, I don't think he's ever going to be the guy he was in his rookie season again. I would wonder though, if he's thinking a little bit more long-term, because if you look at New York, even in a 500 team in New York still gets way more attention than, you know, it a 12 and five or a 13 and four team in any other part of the country that New York market is just hard to say no to, particularly if you've played there for enough time. Yeah. I mean, he went to Penn state, so he's familiar with, you know, the Northeast. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately he can make a lot of money in endorsements outside, but if he feels, you know, this is my best route to getting back to the playoffs with a team that I know and a team that's, on the up. I mean, what's the alternative? You're going to, you're going to take some money from a shit team and who, how many free agent running backs have you seen move teams for them not to be good later on? The good thing also that plays in the giants favor is that this running back class is this, this running back uh, free agency group is loaded. Mm -hmm. And also Bijan Robinson declared for the draft, the Texas back who's, like considered to be a guy who's going to be really, really good next year. Yeah. Uh, rookie season. So there's also a guy that like, so if somebody wants to get a cheaper option, maybe at the end of the draft, so like the Kansas city Chiefs, right. I think would make sense for Barkley. Um, and it would make sense for him because like they could sign him to a minimum deal. 
they could just draft Bijan Robinson at the end of the first round. So, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like, I think he realizes like, there's not really a lot of Avenue for him to go. I think Josh Jacobs is also a free agent too. He's coming off a monster year. So I think he realizes if the giants offer him something fair, he's probably going to just take it. So, yeah, I want to, I want to move on to some of the yeah. other games. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get to the chiefs game. So mm-hmm. chiefs, Jaguars, Ron DeSantis, all <laughs> present. Um, early early in that game, Patrick Mahomes injures his ankle. Gatto, I know that you and I went back and forth in the Discord about this, but what do you guys think? What is the long-term implications with Mahomes' ankle injury? Jacksonville loses. Not a big shocker there. But what's the long-term implication against the Bengals this upcoming week? I mean, so I guess – the initial like prognosis out of after the game was that high ankle, uh, right? high ankle. Uh, but there's, there's nothing that's like broken, like ligament wise or bone or tendon. So he's, he, you know, he's going to be able to play um, just how much it heals between now and then is going to be really the factor. He's going to play. He wanted to play while injured. I mean, he was out there trying to make throws on one foot and, He's got to, I mean, one thing that I think he needs to learn is that um, you can't, like, you can't jeopardize the rest of your team to play, even though you think, like, being there is going to be a contribution. Like, you're, you're only hurting the team at a certain point. You gotta, you gotta know, understand that, right? Um, I do think, though, it changed the entirety of that game. Um, I think this was going to be a steam, like, the chiefs would have steamrolled them completely and it ended up being way closer. Um, actually too close in my opinion, because it cost me, cost Fuck, me I would have hit, I would have hit that eight and a half, man. I swear yeah. to God. Cause, cause they ended up with the, uh, in the under on that one. It was um, seven. It was seven points. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was there was only seven point difference. Fucking God damn it. But, uh, it, it changed their offensive game plan significantly for the rest of that game. And yeah. it could have that same effect next week if he's not 100%. So depending on the progress that he makes will depend on how that team plays next week for sure. 100%. I agree. Yeah. I think, I think, I think they're doomed. I think, uh, I think at this point, I think Cincinnati's playing way too well. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're just hot at this point. We'll get to them in a little bit, but like, I just don't, I just don't think that they, they stand a chance if he's, if he's not healthy. I mean, even when healthy, I think I still kind of give an edge to Cincy at this point. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough because I want, I want a good matchup and I, I don't think he's going to be a hundred percent next week. Yeah. I'm curious to see how it goes for him and how much recovery he's going to be able to do in the next five days. And I mean, it was pretty clear how impacted the entire team was with him not being at a hundred percent. Travis Kelsey's just a fucking monster though. That even, even an injured Patrick Mahomes is still better than half of the guys that are playing in the NFL currently. I would, I would argue he's still a top five quarterback. Right. On one yeah. On one. <laughs> and I, I, I just remember the end of that game thinking in my head, it's like, fuck. Nick Wright is going to be unbearable on Monday, and he was on Twitter the whole. I gotta time. send. I gotta send you this video, guys, of it's a cut of Collinsworth, and it was the Trevor overthrowing Christian Kirk, but he didn't really. He kind of hit him, and Kirk dropped it, and right. Collinsworth's like, "Oh, he overthrew him there," 
And then Mahomes had that like bobble come out of his hand where it's like almost was like a fumble. That's a smart and quarterback. It, oh, right what a there. smart quarterback right there. <laughs> I, I do want to touch on, you know, there was some speculation in Chiefs world that the hit on Mahomes was dirty, but I did not hear anything about the chin shot that Trevor Lawrence got, which mm. was probably more egregious than the yeah. other one. And there was also that tweet that I shared with you guys that essentially said that the NFL has to protect its stars. So I'm assuming that that individual doesn't assume Trevor Lawrence is a star. How are you all feeling about the officiating thus far? How does anyone ever feel about the officiating, right? If it's good, if it's, if good, like, but that's the thing about officiating. If it's good, you don't notice it, right? When it's bad, like you, we're going to sit here and talk about it endlessly. Right. Like that's mm-hmm. the, that's the thing. Um, I think we got into the discussion, right, Tom, about like, is there, is there favoritism in the NFL? Is there like, who was it that, that had that tweet that you had uh, shared about some goob from Kansas city? Yeah. And they were, and, and essentially they said, you know, like they need to protect, uh, the NFL's talents or top talents more. Right. And it's like, the idea is that you're protecting everybody equally. Right. That's, that's really what matters is that this is a game where we're trying to reduce the collateral damage on players and it should be across the, across the board, but let's be honest. Quarterbacks. Definitely. There's a, there's a cast system to who we protect. Quarterbacks are at the top superstar quarterbacks, older superstar quarterbacks, are at the very top of that. Um, and, and I think like everybody else earns their way up that, up that ranking system in, agree. in this game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I honestly, I'm, I'm hoping that the NFL lo- really like looks into um, the roughing the passer calls at the end of the year, like maybe kind of ha- making it like the targeting call in college and, and making it reviewable. And because there seems to be no clarity or like any symmetry to these uh, roughing calls because like one minute guys getting hit in the head. We saw it with the Giants game against Minnesota where Dexter Warrens got flagged on a crucial drive for it, despite not really doing anything other than like he kind of grazed his helmet. Um, so I'm hoping that they they really make this a precedent because it seems so imbalanced that some guys, some officiating crews, I don't know which ones do call more than others, but it seems to be disaster. Um, and like, I'm hoping the rest of the way that like we, we get some, at least like just consistency. Yeah. Good, good point by Mario about like, I think that's, I'm, I think I would assume that's about like the Tim Donahue thing. Yeah, uh, I think it is the, 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 this, uh, the point fixing in the NBA. Yeah, I would it shock me if fucking the NFL is in on, you know, point fixing? No, of course not, because, you know, Vegas, they make a lot of money doing that. So and it's and it's a good way for Vegas to kind of make sure that everything, you know, goes the way that they want it to. So and it seems like too many times it's like it's way too ideal of a scenario when these calls get come in. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Anything we want to say about the Jags? Good they had a good run. Thanks for yeah. coming. Yeah, good season. Good uh, Doug Peterson, obviously better than Urban Meyer, even though I don't think anybody questioned that. True that. Trevor <laughs> um, Lawrence had a really good year. He did. And I think yeah. he'll be back next year. And 
And a lot of people gave uh, shit to uh, Trent Baalke for giving Christian Kirk a big contract, and he had a great year. So I think they kind of kind of justified Evan Ingram on that one year. He had a career year as well. So good season. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they played well. They beat a team they weren't supposed to, and yeah. they lost to a team that could potentially go to the Super Bowl. So I yep. think all in all, that's pretty good. Yep. Uh, moving on to the Bills-Bengals game. <laughs> Um, wasn't really much of a game. It was a it was an enjoyable scenery to look at, but the game was pretty flat. I don't know if you guys had any other. Yeah, I was, about that. I was bored. I was bored watching it. I think the uh, um, go ahead, Gato. I'm sorry. No, no, go for it, Tom. I, well, I think the the conversation is larger than just that game. Bengals are going back to the AFC Championship, but I think a lot Today. of the question marks are on the Bills side of things watching the hot take industrial complex this morning. A lot of speculation about is Josh Allen, the guy Um, is Sean McDermott long for Buffalo. But I'm wondering is is Kent Dorsey, the guy who they should be. So I am, I'm actually think that the, the, the heat is on Brandon Bean at this point, because I think when you look at this team, they have not marginally gotten better. Um, year to year and also I think they're kind of tapped out because they went out and got Von Miller which was surprising it was a big deal for a guy who's already 30 something years old and 100 milli right it was 100 mil over like I think like four years so it was a big contract to give a guy that old um, who had already been kind of declining and of course he freaking tore his ACL but like Tredavious White that corner that they have is really good he's kind of declining as well I don't know what you do if you're them because this is the second time you got bounced in the divisional game uh, uh, two years in a row. So it's like, what do you do to get better? And like, I think Josh misses Dable. I think Dable's scheme was better. Ken Dorsey. Um, I, don't, I, I assume he's probably going to be the scapegoat unless Josh steps in and, and tells him not to. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's tough. But I think Brandon Bean's probably the one on the hottest of seats right now because this is ultimately his team. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what they're going to do next in the sense that the whole year, it just felt like something was very different about their team. The offense didn't click the way it normally does. I mean, I think probably the biggest off the biggest move that had the most impact in the league was Dayball leaving Buffalo to go to the Giants because there was yep. a clear drop-off in production yep. from where the Bills were last year to where they are now. And I think you bring up a good point, Q, in the sense that they added this past season. Can they add year after year until you get to a point where the contracts are now untenable and now you're trapped? Now you're the St. Louis, now you're the LA Rams and you have a lot of really expensive guys that don't produce. They also didn't make a move for a number two receiver. They bet a lot on Gabe Davis and he did yeah, not. I don't think, yeah. He did no not. It didn't pan out as they expected at all. Not at all. I, I and think I think everyone had way way too big of expectations for he him. He was going high in our fantasy draft too. Like people were I ca- really I, I kept him in a keeper league and he was a huge bust. Yeah. But the the thing is like future New York Giants receiver Stefan Diggs um obviously did not did not have hurt. a great he hasn't been hurt. He's not gonna go there. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um he he was jawing at Josh and like I mean like I'm I don't think it's that big of a deal that happens a lot like it's just it's an emotional game you know, all the time 
they they really i think with the hamlin stuff they've been through a lot and it's a lot of like back and forth about them being the team of destiny and puts a lot of pressure on you so i think that happened i think a lot of i think him and josh are fine but this is kind of starting to unseem a little bit so it it's funny because i'm thinking back like our our nfl season predictions episode and like you know i had bills going all the way i i thought they were going all the way i think we had what you had you had uh chargers q but you had josh allen as mvp and i had uh herbert <laughs> i had bills all the way <laughs> yeah i knew i knew the chargers i knew the chargers were gonna be the chargers and and ultimately get bounced pretty early and, so and and none of those predictions came true which is kind of funny but well my um, my super bowl prediction is still alive by the way i mean more recent ones i just it's it's very it's very i don't know i, I I'm, I'm trying to even think of like well, I, I, I want to point out Mario. Mario makes a good point here because there was a lot of talk about them making a move for a back. And they don't really have much of a running game other than Josh. And they, they spent a second-round pick on James Cook, a third-round pick on Devin Singletary. I think Zach Moss, who they traded, was like a third-round pick. And then they traded for Naeem Hines, and none of them seemed to pan out. They don't have – it seemed to be that Josh has to play superhero all the time. And it's not a balanced offense. And I think it worked with Dable, but like Dorsey can't seem to find it, that right balance. It almost felt like it almost feels like the running back by committee yeah. thing going on in Buffalo is is more like having offensive linemen. Like you fit this one specific need for us and we use you only in that. Like it's not they they don't have they never had the versatility considering how how they always had a three quarterback, uh, a three running back set, or they had you know the the committee group going and I I literally got I literally said it in the offseason last year that they should have offered something up for Saquon, like that would have been a move to make because the Giants were clearly listening, and uh, would have would have been a big move for them. Yeah, I think that of all of like the depth charts that I've not depth charts but like the box scores that I've seen from Bill's games, the thing that always stuck out to me was how little they utilize their running backs in the actual running game. And it's always like, you know, Zach Moss, six carries, James Cook, seven carries. You have guys on your team. Why don't you let them run and take some of that pressure off of Allen? Because I'll tell you what, the longer we do this, the more and more those same injuries that Cam Newton had are going to start to creep up on Josh Allen and when guys like that get hurt, they stay hurt, and they're not as productive as they were when they started. And and I would say as that pressure mounted, especially the season for them, because of the ineffective running game, look at how many um, turnovers Josh Allen had. Yeah, right? a lot of picks. His, he had he was trying to make plays when when there wasn't any good options. I, be, I believe he led the league in turnovers. He did. Yeah, it was a it was a rough season for him. He, he definitely bounced back in the wrong direction, um, which doesn't seem like it really gets him down, right? Because he still gets out there and they, they apparently thing, but... the thing they the thing they were saying was that Stephon Diggs was like trying to leave the stadium very early after the game, and like they had to like corral him back. So, I mean, this could be one of those things where it's, they're just emotional, but like Brandon Bean's going to have to take a swing. 
uh, this offseason. I don't know what that swing is. Um, getting another receiver or something, but like they, they got to do something because Dawson Knox regressed to the mean. And I, I think we all kind of expected that to happen mm-hmm. as far as he had eight touchdowns in, in his previous year. It's not sustainable. Um, Diggs had a great year, but like you can't, you know, what if, what if they start playing heavy on Diggs, and which they did? They started playing really tight coverage on him and just really there was nothing open. So, and Hodgins was a guy that I'm sure Josh could have used towards the end of the year, you know, that big body uh, possession receiver. So, and they brought back Cole Beasley, but he's what, 34 years old at this point. You can't rely on a guy like yeah. that. He played sporadically. So he didn't, he doesn't have the antibodies to make those type of catches. No, no, he's, he's not immune to bad play. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that funny? <laughs> he's 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 heavily anti-vax. No, I know, but you guys uh, were laughing about it too hard. <laughs> I know. We're we're tryhards here. All right. Now we ate our vegetables. Who's ready for I will dessert? Never admit to it. Cowboys 49ers game. Let me get my cigar like Stephen A. <laughs> wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Do we do we go back a little bit to last week because we never got to talk about um oh my the, terrible my the, terrible the bucks and the, the bucks and the cowboys. <laughs> I was hoping to avoid my terrible prediction. I mean, I said I said bucks were going to win too. Um I think that game just showed everybody that Tom Brady is doesn't really want to play anymore, but he's got nothing else in to live for, so <laughs> it's like they locked the door. It's like now you can't leave. You know, yeah. <laughs> you're in the NFL for life. <laughs> yeah, that was heavily disappointing. I, I honestly was worried going into this game because uh, they were they were rolling in that game. I guess it just speaks to how bad the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are. They really miss Bruce Arians. It's I mean, they were they were the recipients of the least sucky team in their division. And, you know, it, it just. I thought, you know, I said, I was like, they're so old, man. They're just, the entire team is old. I think they're not actually the oldest team in the league. They're like the third oldest team. They're not the far away, though. And they're just, they're just shitty. They're just shitty. There's really, like, I mean, like, Mike, at, like, and I'll, also, I'll point out, they had Ryan Jensen back in this game. Um, you know, Donovan Smith was healthy and worse was healthy. All those guys were healthy on the offensive line. It looked like he had time to throw and like he was just missing guys. So, but yeah. if you can't, if you can't hit Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, like here's, I don't here's know a, what we're doing. Here's a juicy take though. And that is that Tom Brady is feeling his age right now. And he just doesn't want to play into the postseason anymore. He's got all the rings. Who's coming no. to take all his rings. No, he's just, he's trying to extend himself. If anything, you miss the regular season and play in the yeah. postseason. Yeah, if anything, he would have dogged it in a couple of regular season games. That's why, also, by the way, that's exactly the reason why I thought he was going to win last week was because I'm like, he's been kind of like playing it, playing it soft and all that. And then like now he's locked in Brady and it's like, I'm going to go get that fucking Super Bowl. Not he was never going to. But at least beating the Cowboys would have been very funny. So I don't know. He needs that money, so you go to the playoffs, and then you lose. You know, unless he bet, unless, unless he bet on the yeah. fucking Dallas Cowboys. 
What is, but the thing is though, and I think Mario brings up a good point. It reminds me very much of like whenever a guy breaks up with somebody and it's like the first couple months are fantastic and Mm. the significant other is really upset. And then the significant other is able to like, in this case, Giselle is like, I'm really sad that I left my husband because he loves football and crypto. But now I'm free. (laughs) Now I'm free. And now Brady is just sitting at home crying into a vat of pistachio ice cream or like fat-free, non-dairy, pistachio-free. It's it's avocado ice cream. Avocado ice cream. My sincerest apologies. And he's just like, babe, I want you back. And he's just like sending her stuff through like Coinbase, like half of a Bitcoin, half an Ethereum, just trying to get her attention. (laughs) And now he's just all alone and there's just like film of days gone by playing on there. And he's just touching the face of Bill Belichick on a photograph that he has like, Bill, help me. He's cooked. He's fucking done. All that to be said, he should have retired. I don't know why he's back, but you know what? He'll be back for one more year and it will be a fucking disaster. You watch, you watch. He'll be back for one more year. Can I guess what you're thinking? Or do you have a team in mind? Miami. That would be actually not bad. Um, I was thinking he's going to go to the Raiders, and that's going to be a fucking nightmare. Yeah. What better than a 46-year-old playing on a team that is so fucking dysfunctional by a head coach who's not actually very good at anything? I just got an alert, by the way. Uh, Brady Apparently, Brady had a quote about uh, people asking him questions about his, and he wrote, "Quote: If I knew what I was gonna fucking do, I would have already fucking done it." And then wrote, I don't know why you need to think about it, dummy. He he, Tom. Remember that? Remember when he won in Tampa and he was drunk and he was throwing the fucking trophy, yes. you know, to to people on the other side of the boat. How could I forget? What was he fucking thinking? Like, that was the best day of his life. Like, he won a championship and another team. You're 43 years old. I, Call it a day. I, I, I agree. All right. But at the same time, I think I think this goes into the psychology here of... An egomaniac. He's a psycho? Well, no, no, no. But, like, hold on, hold on. Like, I think, I think I've seen this before in a different scenario, right? Like... <laughs> When I met other expats living overseas, you would, you know, conversate with them, get to know them, and you'd realize that their entire identity, much like mine, because I always fucking mention that I lived abroad, um, <laughs> was wrapped around that exact thing. Because otherwise, abroad? yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll tell you all about it later. Oh man, um, I'm learning so much. And, and that's the thing is that he <laughs> he realizes he has like no personality without football and his identity is completely wrapped in football and otherwise he's just like doesn't know what the fuck to do with himself right and he doesn't know who to be without football and he's afraid of that so he keeps playing until it's eventually ruins his life (laughs) (laughs) is he going through like the batman story arc right now well he's old enough to have a midlife crisis in the nfl so and most people just buy a fucking car in this case he's just gonna play until he bought crypto and it didn't it didn't help yeah crypto was his red corvette 
Is it going to have to take like Chris Jones, like breaking both of his legs in like yeah. a week three preseason game and for him to figure out, like, maybe I should have retired like four years ago. And it will take, it'll take the 80 for Brady too. fucking oh, God, the sequel. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Mario makes a good point. It could be the New York Jets because they. I don't think he would boy. go there. It would be fucking amazing if he did, though. I would love it. Uh, a friend of mine, Trevor, who is a Jets fan, I, I actually texted him that the other day, and he was like, "Fuck no," and I'm like, "Let it happen, man. Just let it happen." You know, it's funny. Like three years ago, there were a bunch of teams that were like all in for Brady, and I know that three years is a long time, but I mean. There are not a lot of teams that want him around at this point because that game against the Cowboys was pretty revealing. Like he did not want to get hit. And a lot of the missteps that team had were because he was just not willing to sit in the pocket and take it. Like good case study. Joe Burrow gets hit a fucking lot. Too much. And took a lot. Yeah, too much. And takes a lot of shots, but he stays in there. But that's what happens when you're 25 years old versus you're 45 years old. And I, I don't think Brady's heart is in it anymore. I hope he fucking retires. He's got like $300 million waiting for him at Fox to be their like color commentary guy. So I don't know why he just doesn't suck it up and take that. Like, Cause I can imagine he's going to be worse than fucking Gronk at it. So. Nobody, nobody. Yeah. He called Romo uh, is horrible at that job. He he called uh, Shane Stitchman uh, Shane Spikeman yesterday. Gronk, he's, he's so funny. <laughs> oh, God, Spikeman. I I I think Brady's worried that like, oh, this is gonna ruin my legacy. But it's like no one's gonna care in a couple years. Like Peyton Manning's last year was awful. No like, one remembers e- Eli Manning's year. last year was awful. No one gives a shit. Like people anyone- forget about it. Does anyone remember when Emmett Smith was in Arizona for those two yeah, I years? Do. Yeah, I do. I Adrian mean, James in Arizona too. It's where good running backs go to die, apparently. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> but yeah, we fucked up last week. We picked the Bucks to win. Yeah, Manicopa. not everybody. But let's get back to the Cowboys. <laughs> Uh yeah. How about them Cowboys? How about them boys? So Mike McCarthy is safe, by the way, guys. Oh, for sure. Um, Jerry Jones said last night, they asked him, uh, does this have anything to do? Like, will this affect his job status? He said no. And they're in a tough place because Jerry drinking. What's up? Was Jerry drinking when he said that? I don't know. He must is Jerry not drinking. He looks he looks old. He looks real old. Um, so Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn are both considered to be like hot prospects at this point. I don't know about Kellen Moore after this. Uh, Dan Quinn, I would I would guess, is the favorite to get the job in Denver. So if they leave and you're just stuck with McCarthy, that's going to be a Yeesh. rough go. Because I don't know what you do at this point other than go for Sean Payton. Because, okay. Let's go back into the game, right? So two and a half minutes left, I believe. They waste 30 seconds. They punt the ball. They play good enough defense to get the ball back. 
Dak gets sacked, takes a really bad sack there. Dalton Schultz doesn't fucking go forward out of bounds. Oh, no yeah. idea clock matters. The incomplete pass there, right? And or was that the, the end of the game? That was at the end of the game. That was towards the end of the game. Yeah. Um, no, no, he had the incomplete pass and he had um the clock kept running because when he goes out of he went out, he caught the ball and went out of bounds, but yeah, but he didn't yeah, 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 he didn't he make didn't the offensive move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's always something clock management related, and it's like it's oh, never gonna yeah. get better with McCarthy. And then that last fucking play. Reminded me, do you remember the guys? Remember that Colts play where they yeah. were punting and with Pat mm-hmm. McAfee and they like lined him up in a QB sneak with one guy in front of him? It's it's interesting to me because that was a horrible play call. You would have been better off going max protect and just putting a couple guys out and going like on a Hail Mary. So we we used to practice this Q back in the day. I don't remember that. Uh in JV football, the play was called the muddle huddle. And it was the same setup, and it was an extra point setup where you essentially split out everybody so that you had this, you know, screen setup, except for your center and what was your kicker, which would be your quarterback in this situation. That would have been a better play. If they, and, if they had thrown a screen with those offensive linemen outside and had them kind of just, you know, barrel through and see if he can get, get in, that would actually have been a better play. The The whole... He situation. throws. He just throws a fucking like like a little quick route, and it's like I don't. What were we thinking? It's funny that you mentioned that, Q, because we did the exact same play in high school football. Really, because our coach was the former fucking William Floyd coach. Oh it was God. it was just a it was a joke play they always had in case they wanted to run like try try some trickery or they thought maybe that would confuse the team, but it never works. Oh, I remember we did just it. blows that that play up right from the start. Yeah, I remember so we stupid. practiced it so much in practice, and I was like, "We're never gonna fucking use this. Why are we doing this?" And we never did. We never did. No, mm. it's just something like when the when the coaches are bored because you know they're they're out there to <laughs> to just kill time at some points. <laughs> I, I will say though, I I'm I think Mario brings up a good point. Like, do you move Zeke? And is Dak the quarterback moving forward? Personally, I think that they probably need to find a way to let go of Zeke because we were talking about it during the game. Like when Pollard went out with that broken leg, Zeke came in and was completely ineffective. And that team does not run well when he's in there. When Tony Pollard is in there, they do really, really well. Yeah, They're a balanced team. But when Zeke's in there, he hit the wall in his career. Hard. Yeah. And yeah. he is pretty ineffective at this point. So, I, so they would take a lot of dead cap if they if they cut him. His contract's so big that it'd be very hard. Like you're not going to move him. You're going to you're going to do what you got to cut him. You got to cut him, or you got to do what they did with uh, Amari Cooper, which is basically trade him for peanuts. But like mm-hmm. no one's going to want him. He's he's a plotter at this point. No, because because in all honesty, I don't think that moves the needle. And then also, like they they'll wait for him to become a free agent, then just sign him to like a one year vet minimum, you know, like a one year three million type of yeah. type of deal. Yeah. So I don't I don't think so. As far as Dak, yeah, they're stuck with him. They gave him a new deal. I don't. I what do you where do you go? It's, it's really funny though, because like Cooper Rush. It, it's fun. It's it's funny though because like. I, I felt like this has been steadily something that's happened. Like 
the Cowboys kind of control a lot of like media talk around the NFL. And like for the last couple weeks, this has been the thing like Dak, they've, they already kind of made Dak out to be like the um, weak link on this team. Right. And they were, they were pushing that and pushing that. And I would argue probably Marr going into his funk was the biggest detriment to this team's oh, yeah. success because it, it, it really affected um, what they, they went for it on, on the 35 because they had no confidence. Like it, it totally fucked up the game for them. Cause if but, they had just kicked that field goal, it would have changed how that half had ended and everything. But this is also the exact same Dak Prescott who threw four touchdowns the week before. And everybody was saying that was probably the best in-game performance he's ever had in his career. So Ultimately, like I, I, I am less critical of Dak because he's not the one who fucking called that moron play at yeah, the end of the game. For sure. I, again, we talk about this all the time. I, in my heart of hearts, I know the Cowboys. The only reason why we talk about them is because of the Cowboys. Like Dan Quinn, if he was the coordinator for the Cardinals or the Jaguars, he would not get nearly as much clout as he does now. And Kellen Moore, the only reason why people like him is because he's young. And I think there's another point in what you're saying too, Tom. And that's the fact that when, when we talk about the Cowboys, there's this idea that like, like if this isn't the piece that there's an even better piece out there, that's going to make us like, they think that if they have the best quarterback, the best defensive line, the best receivers, the best running backs, they're going to win. And it's like that is not guaranteed. None of that is guaranteed. You have to you have to have the best plays with the best players at the time. And they don't have to be the best at any given moment. They just all have to work together. As soon as Bill Parcells was no longer the head coach of that team, coaching has been their biggest weakness. Coaching play calling, clock management, going from Wade Phillips to Jason Garrett to Mike McCarthy. Jason Garrett was awesome. It's it's become a tradition. Jason Garrett was awesome. What are you talking about? They should rehire him. Yeah, he should go back to the Giants. It'd be great. (laughs) But, I mean, that's always been the thing, and I feel like (laughs) any coach who is involved in in the Cowboys immediately is elevated to a position that they do not earn. And we saw that with Kellen Moore. He was a backup. He got hurt. Dak Prescott started, and then they threw him in as like an offensive assistant. And then all of a sudden, it's like, this is one of the great minds in football. I'm like, well, your great fucking mind just showed you exactly what he's capable of. And I don't know if you like that. And then again, Mike McCarthy, you know, the Dungeons and Dragons football game that he played with his friends, allegedly, clearly not working out for him. I, I just I feel so like funny. every year we do this. Every year we like the the Cowboys get gassed up, and then before you know it, Skip Bayless is throwing his Dak Prescott <laughs> jersey into the trash and stomping his little foot. It's like this is just if we did this for any other team, we would be able to call it out. But because it's the Cowboys, they take up so much oxygen in the room. Yeah. That we have to pay attention to it. They're ba- they're the Notre Dame of professional sports. Mm-hmm. 
they are the most valuable franchise. So it, that's, that comes with the heavy crown. Like it's kind of like the Knicks. The Knicks are always the center of conversation in the NBA, and despite them being absolute dog shit for the last 30, 40 years. So and the I best mean, the best comparable to the Cowboys is the Yankees. The difference is though, is the Yankees have a lot of proof that they're a good fucking team. Maybe yeah, not, maybe not in the most recent term they're they're like, trending towards cowboy status though because it's the like talking about like yeah we when we won and it's like well the last time was like you know 14 years now so it's like it's been a while um so they're trending in that in that direction if they don't get it shit uh going fixed uh, f- uh quickly but like i don't know man the cowboys just feel cursed it just it just feels cursed at this point it, we all knew how that game was going to go yesterday Dude, they're evolving into their final form, the New York Rangers. That's <laughs> like, owned uh, by a lunatic billionaire who yeah. is way too involved. I, I don't think they. I don't think like so. By the way, dead dead cap hit for Dak this year uh, coming up, this season coming up, eighty nine million. So he's not going anywhere this year, um, unless the Cowboys want to absorb all that money. But like, and then like, but like Dak, like he is who he is. I think the problem is everyone has been trying to make him out to be this top five guy, and he's not. He's a very good quarterback. He's an above average quarterback, but that's his ceiling. That's who he is. But they won with Troy Aikman, who was not an elite level player himself. He was right. also a very good quarterback who had moments of greatness. I think they also had Jimmy Johnson as head coach, and you know, like but it, yeah, I Norv mean, Turner go- as the offensive coordinator, one of the better play callers. As I know, you don't like Scott I Turner, mean, his son. No, his, fully his related to Scott Turner, by the way. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but I think that's the difference, though, is that Troy Aikman was able to excel for that team because they had talent there, which this current Cowboys does have, but they also had the coaching and Jimmy Johnson told Jerry Jones, like, this is my team. Fuck off. Like I know how to do this. You don't. I think, I think that the biggest problem also is that the offensive line is getting old and they walked in. They had, they had, I mean, at some point they had a healthy Tyron Smith, Travis Frederick, Zach, you Martin. know, Zach Martin, who's still good, but like he's getting up there. And then uh, Loyal Collins, uh, you know, was a, a late round pick for them. A guy who was supposed to be a first round pick that he year. wasn't a pick at all. Oh, that's right. He signed as a priority free agent. Right. Yeah. Because he apparently was under investigation for murder. Murder. And then, they, and then and then then they they found out that he wasn't involved at all. And then like it pretty much came that no one wanted to draft him. He signs with the Cowboys. He was supposed to be a first round pick that year. Yeah. Insane. They just got so lucky, and then they had Connor McGovern for a while, um, uh, Connor Williams uh, at left guard for a while. They were stacked. All these guys the started with Tony Romo there, though. That's how yes. long they've been around. But they they really haven't been able to retool as much uh, because they got Tyler Biotish from Wisconsin at center. Not that great. Uh, Tyron Smith has not been healthy in years. I think Tyler Smith played pretty well at left tackle this year, but like I don't think he's a Tyron Smith. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's crazy to see, but like Dak does not have the weapons that you think he has at this point. They signed T.Y. Hilton, like they were hoping Beckham was going to be healthy, and it just he wasn't. They needed another piece, um, but like it gets to a certain point where it's like they are what they are. Yeah, I guess my question though is, they were talking about it on the Hot Take Industrial Complex this morning, saying why McCarthy should keep his job. And someone's argument was like, well, they were 12 and five this year. 
They're 12 and five or 12 and four every year though. But as soon as they get to the playoffs or even in big games, they just fall the fuck apart. It's not, I don't know if, I don't know if it's a mentality issue with that team or there's just so much pressure on them, but a lot of that pressure, they kind of put on themselves. I don't really care about the regular season too much when it comes to like coaching decisions, because like the whole point of the regular season is to get into the postseason. And if in the postseason you're going to shit your pants in the last two minutes of the game every single year, I don't care. I'd rather go, you know, nine, seven and one and have a shot at winning in the playoffs. You know, yeah. I, I, if I have a coach that maybe can take a less talented roster and, and do something on it. Like, I mean, I think I, when you look at McCarthy, like nothing has changed. Like he won one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. And in his prime, and he left the game for a while, and he was like, "I learned analytics," and then they found out, like, no, he didn't. <laughs> you lied. <laughs> he lied. I I think that's kind of the thing, Q. Right? There, uh, the last twenty years has been basically the same story, and it doesn't matter what piece you substitute for what piece. Nope. That's just. And it, I don't. I don't want to call it. A, I don't want to call it a curse. It's just that I think. They've they're looking at they're looking at solving a problem through all the same like doing the same things. You they think that if they do the same things over and over again, they'll come to the right. And that's just what that's that's the definition of insanity, right? Yeah. Doing the same thing over and over again. Go make the changes. Go redraft like just redraft the whole team. Start from scratch again. I get why you don't do it because you are winning 12 games a year, right? But like maybe it's you got to take it all apart to put it back together. And until they actually do that for once, instead of thinking they can just buy these snap on add on packs, like it's like a Madden expansion pack or some shit. I think there's hesitancy. <laughs> I think there's hesitancy though. Because I think what we're going to see in the NFL now is a more a bigger shot on rookie quarterbacks. So what I mean by that is they I think people are looking at Denver and seeing how Russell Wilson fell apart. How, how and the Russell idea, Wilson. well, and also like I think the Giants are also in this, like the idea of like paying Daniel Jones. You know what Daniel Jones is, and you're projecting that he can get better, but you're going to be paying thirty thirty five million dollars a year for a guy, and it's like you're not sure if he's capable of winning a super bowl is he good enough to ever do that i don't know and like you look at dak prescott he's going to be making 50 million dollars this year like i don't know if anybody's gonna i don't even even if even if it was a better contract would anyone really be interested in giving up three first round picks three you know two or three first round picks for dak prescott maybe it's 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 almost like they've outpriced their own market right well i think people are are content at this point with going and finding a guy, right? Like I'm going to find my guy and I'm going to shoot and I'm going to try as many times until I find a Joe Burrow or a Patrick Mahomes well, or Josh Allen. Keep, and keep I, firing. And this was, this goes back to the beginning of the season where we talked about, you know, um, what, why the quarterback has become such a, such an important figure on the football field. Whereas like, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I think we talked a lot more about the backfield in terms of like running presence and what have you is yeah. that everyone is just trying to find their Pat Mahomes. Right. And it's been like that now for a couple years where it's like, 
who who is this who's going to be our mobile quarterback that runs and guns yep. and is basically like the queen piece to our chessboard right and right. you know everyone's like this isn't the queen piece we got to go find some something else this this is close this is like you know a rook or a you know a, a bishop but it's not it's not the queen piece yeah and i mean i i think they make i think people you know have made good good points that like there's only a few of those type of guys out there uh but at the end of the day like you just keep trying and like yeah it's a great you know point by mario that san francisco has found a guy that works well within their system i still i am not the i am not a brock purdy guy by the way i i, I don't uh, yeah. care i don't care no, what I'm anybody not. says i'm still I'm I'm still looking at Trey Lance next year this, and giving him the edge. I I sit there and I go, he's he's now got what seven games under under his belt. <coughs> Pardon I think me. He's, so, I think he's. I think he. He had five during the regular season, and now these these two that makes seven games. Yeah, and I think I believe so. He's undefeated. So and and granted, yes, the competition gets steeper every week at this point because it's the playoffs, but um. I want to say there's like a five game grace period for every player when they first come into the league where there's not that much tape on you under a professional system, you know, and once they've broken down enough of that tape and they've seen enough of you, that's when, that's when they start to figure out and, and your whole game goes to shit. And so it could be a meltdown right at the worst moment for the 49ers with Purdy. I will say though, not necessarily this year, but long term. Bomani Jones was talking about this on his show last week that Brock Purdy has played a lot of football. Um, and I think there should be something to be said about a guy who is a four year starter in college and played a lot versus another guy like Trey Lance who did not play a lot at North Dakota state. And I think you're seeing kind of the byproduct of a guy who has had to play competitive football in the big 12, but also played in like a playing really young and not with a lot of talent around him where he had to be the one to kind of improvise the stuff and be able to make some of the plays that he's able to, that's where I think the rub is for me. Whereas if he was just, you know, if he was another Chad Henney and he went out there and went like one, five games, I would be a little less like, or a Kyle Trask only played one year at Florida. I'd be a little more concerned, but Purdy has played a lot of football and he's asked to be an, he's, he was asked early at Iowa state to be a leader. And I think guys who play a lot of football, they might not be the most talented, but at least they know their way around an offense and they have a little bit better of an anticipation because any scheme they've seen before in some way, shape or form. So Purdy, Purdy falls into the Daniel Jones category of me. And that is a quarterback that is smart, poised and, you know, very, very like hardworking. Mm -hmm. And you see a lot of these guys who are maybe like not, they're not Pat Mahomes, right? They can't, they can't exist outside of structure. Right. So like ultimately what happens is like, if everything's perfect, they have like the best, I argue the Eagles and the 49ers best rosters I've ever seen offensive lines, gold 
McCaffrey and um, what's his name in the backfield who yesterday was running great. So Elijah, Elijah Moore. Oh, Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell, yeah. And then having Debo and George Kittle and all that, he's put into – and having Kyle Shanahan, who's most likely – like I think what I'm getting at is if Brock Purdy goes on the New Orleans Saints, are we still talking about Brock Purdy as like an elite option or is he a backup, right? I- I think you need avenues to bring guys in. Like if Brady went to the Seahawks, would he be the Tom Brady that he is now? Probably not. And in the same way, would Aaron Rodgers be the same guy that he was if he went so. to like the Cardinals? I think the Rod, I think Rodgers would. Like again, there's guys who have elite physical tools. Mahomes, mm-hmm. like I think Mahomes, if he went to the Jaguars, right? He'd still have those moments of greatness. He wouldn't be the consistent, unbelievable threat that he is because that's obviously a mixture of the two. But he's still like an insane, gifted, you know, improviser. So I think he, you would see like a consistently like, wow, he's entertaining. Hasn't put it all together yet, but like he's good. My my thing is that like I I wonder when it comes to a guy like Brock Purdy, what is five year plan for him? What does it look like down the road? Let's say the 49ers roster starts getting older, and their guys are not as you know they don't replace them with guys at that level. Is he still going to be playing at this level? Essentially, what you're like you're saying is he going to raise the play of others around him, or yes. is he just going to be what? is the conduit for play, but by the other players, right? right? Like, cause he's, uh, he's doing a good job. Like, you know, being a game manager at this point, but like without elite options, I mean, like no one's a superstar without elite options, but like, can he be keep pulling this off? Or is he like Mr. Relevant when those guys are gone? So that's my question. Yeah. I mean, he could be like what Mario said. He can be a guy who gets traded and has a ton of value and, and could end up just being, you know, a career backup or, I mean, we've seen scouts miss on guys because they didn't have all of the elite tools. Like let's keep in mind, Patrick Mahomes went at the end of the first round. He was 12. Was he? Mm-hmm. They moved up for him. What was he doing at 12 then? <laughs> no, it's a good, it's a good question. Cause Watson, him, uh, Mitch Trubisky was the, the first quarterback taken in that draft. Um, and it was uh, Watson and then Mahomes. I know Mahomes and Watson. Excuse I, me. I almost get the sense that nobody knows what the fuck they're doing when it comes to quarterbacks in the draft. Well, I mean, no, because but like apparently some teams do though, because like the Chiefs took one look at Pat Mahomes, who I thought was going to be a bust coming out. I, I'll, I'll wear that. I'll own it. I, I looked at him and I'm like, he's way too fucking wild. He's either going to be the next Brett Favre or he's going to be out of the league in two years. But, you know, you look at Andy Reid and you're like, well, he seems to know a thing about quarterbacks. So, I mean, like maybe maybe he was right. And, of course, he was 100% right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think time will tell. I'm I'm very curious to see what would happen in a quarterback duel in preseason between Purdy and Trey Lance. Because I think it's fair to say that Jimmy G is not going to be on that roster next year. And he's going to be stealing money from another team. Maybe the Texans, maybe the Falcons, maybe the Jets. Please, God, do not send him to Washington. He's going to end up in Washington, and my life will be ruined again. But <laughs> I, uh, excuse me, uh, Mahomes was tenth overall. Yeah, I just I just saw that as well. Yeah, yeah. Watson was twelve. I was thinking of. 
So, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I know it's, I, I just don't, I, I'm not like, I watch Brock Purdy and I'm like, the guy throws a lot of hospital balls, right? Like he, he puts his receivers into positions of taking huge hits. So I just, I, I still think I, I, well, I like Trey Lance a lot coming out I and mean, he didn't play a lot of ball because of the COVID year, they only played that one game. So he, he, he doesn't have a lot of games under his belt, but he is such an in, impressive physical player. And like, he's, a, he's got a great arm too. I still think he wins out in the end. I'm, I'm going to bet on Trey Lance still. Honestly, I would, if we're talking about hypotheticals, yeah. I would rather start a season with Trey Lance as your starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work out, you have Brock Purdy there who has shown that he's going to be able to do it versus the other way around where if the proven guy can't get it done in season and you have to make that switch to a guy yeah. who is effectively unproven. It's and San Francisco's won 11 in a row, I think. Yeah. So like, you know, they, they show that they can clean up an early mistake if they need to. So, yep. All right. Any, uh, any closing thoughts for the, this week in the playoffs? Well, do we want to, do we, since, since we're kind of starting back in, do we want to, do we want to go based on picks since like, since, you know, we had, we had our picks, but like, do we want to like maybe repick here? <laughs> yeah, that might be a good idea. I mean, what, what are we feeling for these, for these uh, conference games, right? What, so what are you guys feeling here? The line are right all... now, the line right now is Eagles two and a half. Um, I'm going to take the Niners there. I, yeah. I think I, I still, I still believe um that they're i think i i again it's going to be one of those games it's basically a pick them at this point uh because it's basically three points but uh again maybe a little bit of hopium but like i I still think that the the niners come out of this i mean i'm gonna start a gofundme after this um we're gonna raise a hundred thousand dollars get a fleet of planes we're gonna take all your used batteries we're going to fucking fly these planes over the parking lot during fucking tailgating before the game and just drop all the batteries all over Philadelphia Hell yeah. in that fucking dumpster pit of a city that it is. Um, I just I'm I'm so in for the 49ers right now. I would love for them to spoil another NFC East teams yep. season. So let's just keep that rolling. That would be really great. Um I still, I, I think I'm just hopped off on hopium too, though. <laughs> I, um, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. I'm going to pick the Eagles. Um, Smart bet. Yeah, and, I, and, I'm and, just, I'm, I'm running on hopium here. Tom. Oh, I know, I know. Trust me, and I'm not doing it just to upset you guys. But no, I feel it's, like it's logical. No, it's, like it's good podcasting for you to take. When, the yeah, it's great for radio. <laughs> yeah, really good for the ratings. But the reason why is I feel I, I was watching the Giants Eagles game on my laptop, and I feel like every time I looked down and um, Jalen Hurts was throwing, he was making like a 35 yard completion to somebody, or it was like a big chunk play. I feel like that's their that's their bag in Philly is just big chunk plays. AJ Brown and Devante um, Smith, just they're, they're beasts. And I would, I would hitch my wagon to those guys because they're, they're tough to beat. I, I, I would say 
I think the other thing to look at here too is that the Philly front line is phenomenal. Q pointed that out earlier. Fletcher Cox and, doesn't age. Well, and that and that that Forty ers offensive line is good, but this is going to be a test and a half for them. So the the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line coach Jeff Stoutland is the best, and when they uh, when they recently made a change at uh, coaching and hired Sirianni. I was hoping the the, the Giants were going to try and snipe him and like hopefully like because they were the Giants needed a new offensive line coach and it just there was no chance they weren't letting him leave. So so he's been there for the, like the last three coaching staffs because he's just he's so fucking good. I mean, like, again, do not to get too off topic here. They found Jordan Mawada, who's their left tackle, Pro Bowl left tackle, seventh round pick. He was a fucking rugby player in Australia. And they found him. They gave him like two or three seasons to kind of get his, you know, get his feet underneath them and learn technique. He's a pro bowler. It's insane. Yeah, no yeah. big deal. Yeah. Fucking Howie Roseman. He's a fucking menace. Um, all right. So moving on. Uh, this is basically a pick 'em based on what I'm seeing right here. It is uh right now the line is Chiefs minus one. I'm going with the Bengals. Okay. Dude, I mean, they're hot. It really it goes it goes back to I I wonder how Mahomes is going to be. Yeah. By by this game by the beginning of this game. Yeah. I I, I and again, like they're firing on all cylinders. I think the differences in the run game too. Mixon is Mixon had a really good game in Buffalo. They're they're just hot and they're they're feeling themselves and I did not expect them to dominate the the point of attack like that on Buff- Buffalo's defenses. Like, I mean, I know without Vaughn, like they're not as good, but they're not they're not slap they're no slouches, and they were just dominating them the entire game. So Joe Burrow, he's he's that guy. Yeah, um, it was like considering they were missing pieces on that offensive line, you would have thought this game would have gone in a completely different direction, and it did not. I mean, it was as good as a performance you've seen from the Bengals to date, right? I mean, I can't even – they've been steamrolling since the end of the regular season. So, Tom? I'm taking the Chiefs. I I think that they will be able to get Patrick Mahomes in a place where he's able to play. Mm-hmm. Um I also think too, as much as I don't like Nick Wright, I think that playing Kansas City has played in this game a lot, AFC Championship, and I think they just have a little bit more experience. And I don't know, man. I think they want it probably a little bit more because that game against Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl where Kansas City got fucking worked and losing the way that they did last year in the AFC championship. I think Andy Reid is going to get them booted up and ready to go. Is this and six straight years? I think it's six straight that Mahomes has been in the championship game. Yes. I believe, I believe it's every year of his career. Yeah. Uh, after, you know, the rookie season. I want to I mean, say yes. I, I, I do have to ask though, like, if if it ends up being like uh, Cincinnati versus either NFC team, 
like, are you not picking an NFC? Are you picking the Bengals in either situation? Because I, I don't. I am I picking? <laughs> am I picking the Bengals in, that in Super Bowl? In the Super Bowl, are you? I I can't see myself doing it. It's not so. It's I a will repeat s- of last year. Well, this is what I'm going to say. Lou Amarillo, who is the defensive coordinator for the Bengals, is one of the get- best game plan. Like, you know, if they get smacked in the mouth, they they can struggle. But, like, game planning, he's one of the best. Two weeks to kind of study and get used get ready. I, I give the Bengals more than a fighting chance against either of these teams. But I would give the advantage to both Philly and San Francisco. I, I mean, I just think, you know, even even despite this, the the offensive uh, the defensive lines of both the Niners and the Eagles are just way too ferocious. Grown ass men. Oh, dude they they are going to feast in a Super Bowl situation like mm-hmm. that. So the only thing the only thing I would say is there is so many weapons in Cincinnati on the offense that even if you take Jamar Chase out of it, T Higgins is still there. Yeah. It's it's probably the best receiving core in the NFL at this point. And I mean, they're all, fucking insane. Yeah, all round. Yeah, like just top tier talent. I mean, and then again, even if Higgins isn't available, Boyd is right there, right? Like you got you got weapons on weapons. There's depth at receiver for them. Hayden Hurst is a little sneaky tight yep. end too. Tyler Boyd. Yep. yep. Joe Mixon has been playing really well. Yeah, and and even Tom's favorite player, Samaj P. Ryan. Uh, yeah, has, he had a great season. <laughs> that name, like that name, pretty much awakens like the Manchurian candidate inside of Tom. Uh-huh. He just wants. I to need commit, to go to Atlanta now. Excuse me. He just wants to commit violence. Oh, that fucking guy. Tom, Tom was <laughs> Tom was the Paul two seasons ago of our league. He was like, I won. If it wasn't for, I was lied to by Yahoo though. They were (laughs) like, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to get a couple touches. All I need was literally like him to hold the ball and fall down at the line of scrimmage, and I would have gotten a point. He fell backwards and mass arrests. Stop the steal. Very much so. Stop the steal. All right, guys. Um, what do you say we transition out of this? And I know that we've talked about football a lot the last couple of weeks, um, and rightfully so. It's it's that time of year. Tis and the season. Tis the season. But I want to move on to something that I shared with you all. Um, the girls are fighting. And when I say the girls, I mean Steven Crowder and the Daily Wire. For I those see. who have not been following – um, the Daily Wire offered Steven Crowder, who's a conservative pundit, what was it like four years, $50 million? $12.5 million a year. So four years, $50 million. By the way, four shows a week of an hour and a half, six hours of work a week. And also four weeks of vacation and was allowed to can some episodes for anybody who doesn't know what that means, basically filming them in advance and then, like, it'll just play out on that next day so he could take a day, another day off or whatever. So pretty fucking sweet. Yeah. So um, I don't know whether Steven Crowder doesn't know how to read, like, a contract or felt In like general. He was being disrespected or is just a fucking idiot. But he basically went on his show oh. that I'm pretty sure only his parents watch to bitch and moan that the Daily Wire, like, mistreated him and he basically referred to the contract that they offered him as they're giving him slave wages. Twelve and a half million. Twelve and a half million. 
So it's funny because there, there seems to be – so like he didn't name the Daily Wire at first, but I think right. everyone kind of deduced that it was going to be – it was them uh, because he left the Blaze. So those are the, really the only other big outlet that would be able to offer him. They didn't know what the money was originally. So it it basically started at this whole thing of like it's about the money. They, they low-balled him. And, but he was trying to basically lump them in with big tech. Cause that's how you like call someone an asshole nowadays. Like you're part of big tech. Like that's their version of you're an asshole. And it's funny to me because the biggest thing that he claims was the problem was that based upon strikes. So like if essentially YouTube bans him, if Twitter bans him or whatever, he'll lose a portion of the funds. And Jeremy Boring, yes, that's his real name, CEO of Daily Wire, basically said, well, yeah, we're paying you money. If you can't put on a show because you are banned, we are going to reduce your pay. Now, Crowder, not happy about that, was basically saying, like, well, why don't we just change your entire business plan and, like, not work off of them? But really, from what has been being said is that he felt like he was worth $120 million over four years. So Von Miller wanted, didn't even get 120 million. I know. And he's got a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> he was going to be making more than LeBron James does in a year for his NBA contract. Um, so he's trying to now do damage control and basically say, like, no, 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 no. It wasn't about that. It was never about the money. It was about owning our piece of the pie, right? And like basically Steven Crowder, who is an anti-union guy, wanted labor protections built in. He wanted the ability to be racist and not lose money for it. Like, guys, you're hiring me to be a racist. And, like, now you're mad that I'm a racist? Like, doesn't make any sense. But, like, he didn't really understand the point that Jeremy Boring was making was, like, you have – we have paywall episodes. Behind the paywall, you can be as racist as you want because they don't go on YouTube. They don't go on any of the platforms. But, like – you just can't be racist when you're doing your, you know, regular show. And he just he he's claiming now that it was about principle, but it's you it's can't a lot be of racist bullshit. when you're on YouTube. Just use all the classic dog whistles, though. exactly. You but like, do don't get stuff. don't get a strike. But it's so oh my god, it's so great watching like the chuds just fight each other and like bicker at each other about money. It's. I mean, I, I was just watching that and kudos to Will Summer for following the whole thing and providing oh, yeah. like the play by play to it. Like the Daily Wire just holds itself up as like the intellectuals conservative media network when in reality it's still just like failed actor Michael Knowles, failed screenwriter in ben, uh, ben Shapiro. And effectively, a bunch of like failed performance artists who Candace, are now Candace Owens, Matt Walsh, and uh, there's a there's another aspiring sexual predator, Matt Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> there's some 21 year old chick that they hired. I, I don't remember her name, but she's like she's supposed to be like a Twitch streamer version of like a conservative and it's like it's really cringy it just ends up being cringe comedy she's like trying to like hit the zoomers and like the young millennials and all that and like like i'm a 21 year old and i'm i'm a fucking conservative and it's like it's big government awful. sucks yeah no gas stove i want my gas stove i don't know like you guys god that too i feel like we've got <laughs> so much stupid uh, content my favorite I 
is the people that are like, I'm, I'm, I'm being a rebel, and they just turn on their gas stove. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Leave that on and just walk away for a while. You know what? Why don't you just open your oven too and turn it on? <laughs> Stick your head inside. That will own the libs. Yeah. <laughs> turn on your oven and go to the lowest I'm point joking. of your house and just lay on the floor. You this won't. is all a joke, by the way. Yeah. Please don't do hey, anything. Are you joking? <laughs> um. Yeah, it, it's it's really funny to watch like the culture war because even like Ron DeSantis like was putting out T-shirts of like hands off my my gas stove and it's like it's just all culture war shit. They're offering it's, incentives to buy gas stoves in Florida. It's it's really amazing. They they love like saving dying industries for whatever reason too. It's but it's really funny though because like they they showed a map and it's like the most gas stoves are used in like i think it's california and new york are like number one and number two probably because they have the most like it's the old infrastructure right right and yeah so most most southern states and shit are using like electric stoves in majority so it's like it's already really funny to see and it's like if it does prove if we can prove that they are like causing childhood asthma or they're like being like if they are leading to it like why wouldn't you want to transition out? I, mean, I get gas stoves are better, but like, it, come on. It, but it's just, this is like this whole, like, such an overreaction to like drum up some sort of controversy or like rally cry. Like, they're grasping at fucking straws because this was like a like federal report from like, it was a consumer report. It was just right. a study that was done, right? Like, it wasn't. It was a suggestion that over time we phase them out for safety issues in a in a household, right? It's like the problem is Biden's guy said ban. He said the word ban. Oh, he used you don't say so ban. Just... <laughs> you never say ban because that you're just uh, giving them an ability. Unless you're doing exactly this and you're making them rally against the or rally around the dumbest thing fucking yeah. possible. Oh yeah, yeah you're, that's you're right. that's more likely the it's, case. It's it's more of like a chess move by using those words, right? Maybe, but uh, you know, I don't know how much of this uh, resonates, but. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for the GOP or you know what? I can't wait for CPAC where they build an entire day of stump speeches with Matt Schlapp there talking about like they're taking away our gas stoves. Like they're literally the British going to Concord to take people's weapons and munitions. <laughs> and it's basically the stamp act. I don't know if Matt Schlapp, by the way, is going to be at any more uh, conventions at this point. Uh, yeah, based on I don't, what he's going on with him. I don't know if he's going to be uh, dancing around in Georgia for the next mm. congressional or senatorial race. Don't think so. For those who are not necessarily following GOP politics, Matt Schlapp, the chairman of CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Committee, was accused of sexual molestation of a GOP staffer is it within Herschel Walker's campaign? Yes. Was part of Herschel Walker's campaign, yeah. And the text the messages coming, are man. Yeah, they're they're bad. Yeah, I mean, and I and I should say we shouldn't be joking about like people being molested in the yeah. workplace, but this is also from the same people who talk about like groomers and LGBT people who are essentially like raiding elementary schools indoctrinating people when in reality like their like accusations are effectually confessions 
Yeah. And there's no other way to describe it other than they just come in and do stupid shit. And I'm wondering though, if Schlapp's going to receive any kind of like, is there going to be any blowback to him? I think they're going to try and probably like soft exit him out and like not talk about it. Like just put some, like they'll just put Charlie Kirk in charge or something. And like, oh, God. <laughs> so, his teeth, man, scare me. Like his whole, like, you ever see the Conehead movie? Yeah. Remember when Dan Aykroyd's character goes to the dentist? He gets the things in his teeth. Yeah. That yeah. reminds yeah. me of Charlie Kirk when John yeah. Lovitz is the dentist. Is like, can you open your mouth, please? And it's just like rows and rows of teeth. Oh. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. So I'm 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 interested to see where this whole thing goes. By the way, because. I, I don't know because like Crowder's already trying to do damage control. He's like, listen, I'd love to have a sit down with Jeremy and all these guys and like, you know, see where they're at and like, uh, so they can fully understand where I'm coming from. And like, they're not going to do that. They've already went full scale. Like Jeremy boring literally did a video breaking down the entire an hour long. And by the way, it was not a contract, by the way, it was an initial offer. They were willing to negotiate with him. But then he came back. They said he came back and said, I want 120 million instead of the 50. So they were like, well, listen, like, no offense, but like, we can't do anything about it. Four months go by. This was in October. Four months go by. And then now all of a sudden, me, I think that he's like maybe not finding what he wanted. And he's trying to like, work, he was trying to work his way back in, but he threw like a really ridiculous number at them. And now he's just going to like, he's, he's not a very smart guy. No. Because like, you wouldn't be doing this if you were. Like, you wouldn't be, like, exposing the secrets of everybody, right? The other thing, too, that is definitely not going to work for the Daily Wire is the fact that he recorded that conversation with Jeremy Boring without his consent. And there's also, like, state laws about, like, um, recording consent and things of that nature. I don't know what that looks like. But, you know, if you're trying to operate in good faith, recording a conversation and without somebody's permission – is really shitty, uh, particularly if you're going to end up using it to bash those individuals later on. I'm not trying to defend Daily Wire or Jeremy Boring because they're all shitheads, but I think of all of the shitty people out there, in this conversation anyway, Steven Crowder ends up being the biggest doofus of all of them. They're all pieces of shit, but yeah, he ends up being the like glowing piece of shit because like he just yeah like like but I'm glad he did it because it just it just shows the hypocrisy of all this is that like they all like they do all like have to bow to big tech and like they all want to like work within the system but like pretend like they're not they pretend like they're outsiders and it really just goes to show this really is all about money that's all it's about. Yeah, they're capitalists. Yeah. They're trying to be (laughs) they're trying to be entrepreneurs, you know. Yeah. They don't want to they don't want to build their own platform because like they it it does it's not advantageous to do that. It's too much work. It's so much better to be able to work off of like Apple and YouTube and make money easily by just uploading your shit to them and they they host everything. Everything else is a fucking bother. So it's like they want to work within the system. Who was um was it was it Crowder who was accusing um, the Daily Wire of being funded by billionaires? And he's like, I've never yeah. been funded by a billionaire yeah. before. And Jeremy Boring went through like 
These are all the places that he's worked. Yeah. And these are the people that pay for those. He just companies. worked at he just worked at the Blaze. He literally yeah. was just working at the Blaze, which is Glenn Beck's network, which is, you know, crowdfunded by billionaires. And it's like also I'm I'm starting to wonder where the where this money's coming from because Jeremy Boring said that they make like a hundred um I think it was a hundred million a year or something in revenue some it was some crazy number but like it didn't add up because like you can't pay Steven Crowder this and then be paying like Ben Shapiro and yourself and have any money left after so like the num the numbers were not adding up I'm like they're they're either like hiding how much they're getting or like they're I don't know something something fishy's going on there well I mean Ben makes all this money in like bug out bags and MREs that he sells on his website <laughs> that's Tim Pool by the All way, Stephen Crowder will be going on Tim Pool, I believe, today. Oh, God. Can't wait. <laughs> um, Nate has chimed in. Nasty Nate is here, and he wants us to talk a little bit about the um, the news wow. around George Santos implying that he dressed in drag but denied ever being a drag queen. I saw the picture. It's him. It's definitely him. But isn't it – how funny is it that in, like, 2023, lying about your resume – potentially like embezzling money no big deal guys oh you were in drag you gotta go dude fake it till you make it but like the gop is gonna have to do something about this eventually and it's gonna be the drag thing that is ultimately the reason why it's gonna, gonna drag him down are you yeah, saying exactly. gonna drag him down but i'm bummed see what you did there yeah <laughs> yeah well as the two new york residents like i know that he doesn't necessarily oversee the area that you all live he's a long island he's a long island uh representative uh, long uh, island glen cove and i mean long uh, island's just one big place just outside of the city right it's the so. it's the northern nassau district so northwest uh long island so like glen cove area and like the more rich area um yeah and uh, I, you know, yeah, it's it's where Gatsby lives. <laughs> That's isn't that out in the Hamptons? No, no, it's know. supposed to be over in like Oyster Bay. Okay, no, yeah, then, then yeah, he would be under George Santos. Um, it's pretty funny, and I, 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 I don't know what he thinks he's like. I, I understand that he can't admit to it because like the overemphasis on like drag is bad thing that's been going on with the GOP. But it's just so goddamn funny watching like they put a photo of him and like the him and drag side by side. And it's literally fucking it's identical. <laughs> and it's like, man, like, I mean, how long do you think that you can get away with going? It's not me. And I think there was <laughs> no, video too. Me. Yeah, I think there was video too of him. Like there is enough out. evidence out there that shows that it was him in every way, shape and form. Aside from the fact this guy basically lied about literally every. I don't think his piece. name so, is George no, no. Santos. I, it's I, not. It's Anthony. DeVolder. I don't know. I don't know if 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 uh, he was lying about this, though, because um, maybe maybe he wasn't a drag queen, but he had to dress up in a dress when he was on Hannah Montana, because that's. Another thing that he's claimed recently. <laughs> he claimed he's on Hannah. Yeah. You know? yeah. What a weird thing to lie about. It's such a weird thing. The thing is, though, is the <sighs> stuff that he's saying is so provably false. Like he went on a podcast and was talking about how he went to Baruch College, which we all know did not happen, and how he was on the men's volleyball team that was like a national championship team. 
His grandmother was a Holocaust survivor. His mother died in 9-11. And then it's and, something else. <laughs> and his employees died in the Pulse shooting. And there's just... It, it goes on and on. I mean, I'm actually... So if you want if you want a nice article, uh, the new... Uh, was it the New Yorker? I think it's the Intelligencer. Um, yeah, so New York put put out in its Intelligencer. Uh, it's literally the everything guide to George Santos lies. Jesus and, Christ. I mean, this is this is an endless scroll, so prepare yourself because they dig pretty deep. But um by the way, he didn't have to do any of this. No, all he, he had to won. say was, guys, Trump good, Trump good. And they're like, Yeah, Trump good. And he's like, Trump good. All right, vote for me. And they're like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have won in the landslide easily. He didn't have to do any of this. Dude. Yeah, they were they were talking about this on Breaking Points last week, where effectively the the Democratic incumbent like did not have enough money to do like a proper vetting of Santos and relied on the DCCC vetting report that they had, and they didn't find any of this shit. Like, who is who New is York, the detective? New Who York is Dems. the person that did this? Like fucking Shaggy from Scooby Doo. Like New York Democrats are the fucking worst, man. I know people think this is some kind of like liberal safe haven. It is not. The Dems here suck. They're the worst. There's a reason why, like New York got fucking hammered. We would the Democrats would still own the house if it wasn't for New York Democrats. Insane. So. Yep. You have to think, though, like, what is going through Kevin McCarthy's mind right now? Because you have Lauren Boebert. He put them on fucking he put them on committees. Yeah. And, and then also get their loyalty. But how does more also have George Santos in there, too? A guy who I don't know how you can seat because he has no credibility at this point. But like, you know, what's really funny about the Kevin McCarthy thing is that he put Marjorie Taylor Greene on the same uh, she, I think they put her on uh, Ways and Means. Am I wrong? Um, House Judiciary, I think, or House Oversight. It was House Oversight, yes. So he put her on House Oversight, which is like her, like, thank you for being by my side the entire time. She never wavered at all. But guess what? Lauren Boebert's on there, too. And all she did was fucking, like, hammer him. She was one of the last hand holdouts. How does, like, Marjorie Taylor Greene must feel like shit right now because she went to bat for him constantly and got the same fucking thing that Lauren Boebert did. I mean, come. How much were you really expecting? I mean, I would have expected for for that loyalty from that uh, demographic, I would have expected he would have done a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, but they all come from the same cloth. They know they're going to fuck each other. <laughs> It just shows how little power McCarthy has and how much he had to like disseminate it out just so he can get people to vote for him. Like he's, he's truly a speaker in name only. He has yeah. no power. He has no authority and they can remove him with one vote too. And they will like, there'll be a time where he'll like have to agree with Democrats on something like, Hey, should we pour all this toxic waste into like the Potomac river? <laughs> And kill everybody in like a forty mile radius, and he's like, "No, that'd be a bad idea." And they're like, "No, nope, oh, you're out of here. You're out of here. here." Oh my god, it's just, it's just, it's gonna be a fun two years. That's all I gotta say. Like, oh, I, I can't wait. Nuts. Um, question for you all: 
what do we make of uh, Joe Biden getting a little sloppy with some of his documents? Huh? Is this a big deal, a little deal, no deal? I think I think this is actually a considerable deal of like in in the sense that I I think that they're looking at this this whole situation and like if people don't look at it like hey we do have a problem with the way we disseminate like confidential you know documents especially in a time and age like a digital age where we don't need to have paper copies of anything fucking laying around anymore right like that's there's that um i think it's like we need to like look at like what are these old fucks doing with these documents like can you please be a little bit more responsible um i also don't know what exactly is on these fucking documents that's the other thing yeah uh so it could just be like you know the most nothing burger documents um but really like you know i i think if you're gonna sit there and you're gonna point fingers at trump and conservatives for being so careless with documents you gotta make sure that you're you're not doing the same thing on your end right right and yes you lose you your credibility you can't have your classified top secret like defense intelligence agency folder right next to your fucking tv guide and your bagel bites <laughs> by in the living room like it's that's not how it works like you need to also be a little bit more mindful of that shit and you know, I think, I think everyone wants to make this a bigger deal, as big a deal as what Trump was doing. The difference is, though, is that Biden has said, like, yeah, go to my house, search the place, find everything you need. Go to my office, search the place, find everything you need. Trump refused. Like, yeah. he would not give that stuff up to the point where the FBI had to actually have a warrant and go. But Biden was like, you don't need a warrant. You can just go in. Like. Yeah. Make sure that you know you you take the, some fucking like I, I don't I I'm gonna take some mints out of the basket and you're gonna... I don't I don't I, I'm gonna slightly disagree with you, Tom. I don't know if, how much that matters in the end because again, this I agree with Gatto. Like this is bad. This is a bad look because like ultimately you're you like all we heard about was chiding Trump for like taking doc I I declassified it in my head. The act is still the same. Like there's no difference in the act. Okay. Yeah. Maybe some documents were more extreme. Maybe he shared documents with people he shouldn't have Trump and like maybe Biden was just sitting in his fucking house. So the actions afterwards, but like, you know, at the end of the day, you and I both know the only thing if they, and now they've lost any angle to try and prosecute Trump under this, because now they're just going to say, you're, you're giving them a golden opportunity in the house to be like, well, we're going to, we're going to now impeach Biden because you guys are trying to prosecute Trump for this. Well, we're going to pros we're going to prosecute Biden for this shit. It's it's just an overall from an optic standpoint, like after chiding Trump for so long about this and like Biden did the same thing. It's it's just such a bad look. The the difference is though is there is not nearly the same kind of outcry from the general population though. There's sure. like 64% of the people in this poll were like Biden is operating the way that you should. Like he's done exactly what you asked of him. 
Now, whether I, I don't think what he did was right, but at the same time, I think the differences though is just how it's handled by different people. And I mean, ultimately the GOP is going to go after Biden regardless of what happens. The question that they need to ask themselves is, is this a fight worth it for us? Because if we spend two years prosecuting somebody on something that nobody really cares about in the same way that happened with Hillary Clinton and her email thing is people are more aware of the stupid shit the GOP wants to do. And they're not going to fall for it in the same way that their whole platform for the midterms was groomers and no one bought it. I, I do wonder though, because like, if you, like a lot of the things that Hillary lost the election on, like weren't, weren't the, the things that people talk about now, now everyone just like always talks about Benghazi with her. And it's, it's the, only scandal that fucking matters with you know the like extreme conservative right when it comes to i just think that they need any type of smoking gun to bring people together coalesce to, to coalesce everybody in in one place and consolidate like a rallying cry like it's it's always just like you know they yell something out and they want to hear if it if someone replies back right and yeah so this is that like once they have, once they can get people to like be like, yeah, Biden did that with the documents. Now they ride this into being a dog whistle, into being all of these like little things that tick in your brain that make you know conservatives go crazy. And it's like the, it's it's like you know when they call up the sleeper cell and they give him the activation code, right? Like this is what this becomes. So when it's time to vote, all they have to say is you know. Biden didn't burn his emails or whatever, you know, Biden didn't burn, burn the notice, whatever it is. And it fucking sticks. And now they have that earworm going into the, the, into the voting booth. Right. And you can't give them the ammunition, right. That's really what it comes down to. And it's such an easy thing not to be sloppy with. Like, I'm sure he doesn't even have to do it. He could probably pay somebody or give somebody a job doing it. Like, just pay attention to this for pay attention for this and like make sure I don't fuck up. And we don't have this problem, but we have someone just following him around, picking up like crumbs off the floor and papers that he's leaving around his house. I mean, yeah, maybe we just shouldn't have old people, like people who are in their 70s. There you go. It's a noble thought. Or like, you know, people that haven't been entrenched in politics for fucking ever either. Because they forget that, like, a classified document does mean fucking something. By the way, I would say that Joe Biden is the original George Santos, by the way, because he was the, like, you can... you can... I was waiting for you to be like, is he in drag somewhere? Like, no, was... no, he he lied about, like, t- graduating the top of his class and, like, like there's, like, there's a great, like, video on, I think it's, you can find it on YouTube. And he was talking shit to some dude and was saying how smart he was, when in yeah. fact, he wasn't at all. Yeah, and he also said that he was arrested in South Africa trying to get to Nelson. Uh, was it Nelson Mandela? Oh, yeah, and that never, that never happened. So like, he, he's the original George. Like George, Joe Biden walked so George Santos can run. <laughs> Dude, but that's you know that's the funny Indirect. thing too is like <laughs> everyone, everyone making this fucking 
thing out of George Santos. And I'm like, but they all lie. They're all slimy, underhanded liars. Yeah, like, Biden and Dragnet. It's a classified document we need to see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Someone find it, please. They're going to investigate. Remember when, when Trump gonna... asked Julian Assange, like Julian Assange and WikiLeaks to find more Hillary documents? I am calling out to WikiLeaks. Please try and find Biden and Drag. We all know this. <laughs> Everyone knows. Everyone knows it. Believe me, everybody knows. Speaking well, that... of speaking of Trump, did you all see him at um, the Diamond and Silk funeral? Bro, he's losing Wait, shit. What what happened? So, do you know who Diamond and Silk is? Yeah. Th- what happened to them? So, Di- Diamond died. Really? Now it's interesting. News to us, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting though because. Some segment of the conservatives saying she got vaxxed, and that was the reason why she died. God. And I but she's staunchly she's staunchly anti-vax, so it's like, well, but like, and then they said that she suddenly died. Everyone keeps saying she suddenly died because that's the new thing with vaccines. If you got a vaccine, you may just die suddenly. Yeah. But there's like a tweet like two months ago where Silk is saying like, "Pray for Diamond. She's very sick right now." So this has apparently been going on for a while, but. He he was standing there and he said, I just met Diamond. I met Silk for the first time. She's great. She's fantastic. I'm sure she'll do great. He's known her for years. Yeah. And he's saying he just met her. And he bitched and moaned in the entire eulogy about how he thought it was only going to be like 15 minutes long <laughs> to him that it was two and a half hours. <laughs> I mean, he's a fucking uh, one-man comedy act at this point. The, like, the man, the man has still got it. I'm just, he I'm just still has it. it. And there was a there was a clip online that I saw on Twitter where there's this really like emotional, like religious hymn that's being sung, and he's just sitting there, just like bobbing like this. <laughs> <laughs> like people got- are in tears, and he has this giant shit-eating grin on his face. The whole I, ne- time. I need him back on Twitter, man. I need him back on. I need it. I, I heard it. I heard he's coming back. I I, I heard I he was coming so. back. I need yeah, he's trying to all platforms near you. He needs dump true social. Well, I mean, I hope somebody buys the shell of that because it's like actually like it's pretty close to Twitter. So someone could create a competitor uh that's not a haven for fucking insane people. Um <laughs> <laughs> but it I, I'm telling you, the one thing I'm telling him though that Trump needs Trump, look at me. <laughs> Ron DeSantis gotta figure out a good name here because the one he put pulled out last time not working what was the what was the sanctimonious ron or something what did he call ron DeSantis last time yeah uh ron sanctimonious ron sanctimonious i, I think all Garbage. we need to know is that we had to think about it like boo, we know we tomato, knew tomato, sleepy joe tomato, we knew boo. crooked hillary but we had to think Lion, about what Ronnie D's name was. Lion Ted Cruz. It's Lion, just, it just comes. Little it's Marco. Perfect. Little Marco. It's it's perfect. Crooked Hillary is still. That's a it's Kowalski it's update banger. banger. <laughs> I, I, I think you guys got to realize though, Trump like he's created so many enemies over the years in politics that he's run out of good names. Like he. He doesn't have that big vocabulary. Guy like he, that, can, though, he's got a little black book. They, he's coming back. He's coming back for one last job. It's just the one last job, though, and it's going to be finding a good name for Ron. It's going to destroy Ron DeSantis. He's not destroying Ron. It's going to be the two Crying. proton torpedoes into the like the air duct in the like Death Star blows up. It's got to be something like boring Ron, but not boring. 
baby Ron. No, I say because he's he's born. Van- so vanilla like, Ron. Van- okay. Vanilla Ron. Vanilla Ron. Good old Vanilla Ron. <laughs> and I, I, it's it, it's a work in progress, but something he's. I, I don't know if you guys have. I, I tried to listen to a DeSantis speech. He is painfully boring. Yeah, the Ain't thing is though, Ron. The thing is though, is he gets away with it because Ron and Ron. He doesn't let anybody ask any like hard questions. He just bitches and moans. So like you see, that's a question that's just one sided <laughs> and mean. Softball, Ron. There we go. <laughs> softball, Ron. Only Softy likes the softballs. All, all like... I'm saying, Donald Trump, if you need help coming up with names, we're here for you. We will believe me, I don't totally have a problem with storm with you. It's the one thing we'd be willing to do. There's no problems with being soft around here. Believe me on that. Hands, <laughs> hair, <laughs> skin, and all. <laughs> soft little Ron DeSantis. It would really bother him if someone told him that he had really soft hands. You know he would lose his shit. Creamy hand, Ron DeSantis. <laughs> Soft as a baby's bottom, they say. <laughs> I just imagine Ron DeSantis walking around with like a Fredo sauce all over his hands, <laughs> shaking people's hands. Cream cheese, Ron. So they call him. Yeah, he's got to find. He's got to find something good because that's like Ron Sanctimonious was like. You know who we should I, ask? Chat GPT. Yeah. Create oh, a name for I'll Ron DeSantis. Right yes. Love yes. It. Please. Oh, yeah. Got to know this. Um, yeah, he he's he's got he I I I know for sure he's got another banger in him somewhere. Oh, I have no doubt. He's he's been like doing like he's been sitting there for like two weeks straight in like just pure meditation mode, and like you can see all the like the images and like history is going through his head, and like like literally from fucking got- tadpoles to now, and then he's like. Get my get my Twitter ready. I got it. He's got both of his hands in just like a bucket of macaroni and cheese from KFC. He did an ayahuasca trip with Aaron Rodgers, and he's like, I, I saw Hat Man. <laughs> the Hat Man. He came over to me. He's like, you're the best president ever. Hat Man endorsed me. I killed this rabbit for you. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Hat Man. Very tall. He's a very tall, handsome man. Beautiful hat man. Hat. Very, beautiful, very, beautiful. very, very hatty. He loves hat. Trump. Hat man loves Trump. We Best all know hat. it. <laughs> <laughs> we need more hat man. I'm considering him as the labor secretary. Yeah, this is a um this is a nickname that only Chat GPT could help us out with. So yeah, it's gotta be. I'm very excited for GPT to help us here. Um all right. Particularly with that uh that movie script or that movie plot. Um, that I shared with you guys in our in our private chat broke the fucking chat. <laughs> They're like, "How did you guys do this?" Like, I don't know. <laughs> Told us to write a movie. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna like signal like it's gonna like implode on itself when you ask for like a nickname for Ron DeSantis. It's you're gonna, gonna like, get flagged by the yeah. FBI. They're gonna be yeah. at your house in any, any minute. Lee oh, no. Zeldin's gonna show like a, with a badge that he made himself out of tinfoil. We're tough on crime here, see? <laughs> this is New York. Ah, uh, sorry. ChatGPT is uh, just a force for Motherfucker. good. Motherfucker. They they won't let me generate an insulting nickname. 
God, whatever. The closest it came to was Ron, what about just a general was nickname? Governor Ron Maga DeSantis. What about just a regular nickname? That's what it came up with. Oh, was Governor Ron, Maga oh, that's, DeSantis. No, that's disappointing. And and it said it wouldn't be constructive or respectful. Uh, um, one can make the argument. Terminator. <laughs> Skynet, Skynet, Skynet. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Fucking bullshit! I was promised Terminators. I'm getting a fucking respectful bot. I'm getting somebody that tells me how to reply to emails properly. God damn it, dude! Uh, so I'll tell you what, though, it probably saved me like two hours though the other day. So it's actually a great resource. Mm. God, oh, you're not gonna, always going to have chat GPT. Uh, it, it reminds me of like being in high school and they're like, you're never going to have a calculator nearby. And I'm like, that, yeah. watch me. That's like, watch. <laughs> That's iPhone like 12. Every, all the episodes of like The Office where Dwight's like, yeah, when the stupid internet fad is over. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Like, no one's going to, no one's going to be using email in, in five years from now. So ridiculous. Oh, they will. All right, guys, what do you say? Yep. Who wants to start? Oh, man. Uh, I'll go ahead. Um, Skip Bayless. What an asshole. And the only reason why I say Skip Bayless is an asshole is all of just the cringe content that he put out yesterday with him dancing in that Dak Prescott jersey, which was slightly uncomfortable i felt like he was modeling in like the movie taken um all the way up for him like walking into his kitchen and slamming his dak prescott jersey into the garbage huffing and puffing the entire he's time. just a fucking <sighs> dork and that's the only thing i have to say about that it's and not a great go- asshole of the week but he's just a fucking goob Empty, empty garbage can. By the way, no bag. Empty in it, garbage no can. So he 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 pulled it out immediately after. Somebody said, like, I really want to see the other thirty seconds of this video where he takes it out, <laughs> dusts it off, and like hangs it comfortably back into the fucking closet. Oh god! I just I don't like Fox Sports One because of the personalities they have on there, and because of that cringe shit that they do. Like yeah. ESPN has cringy shit that they do. I like what fun. Stephen A. Smith does. He just does like a really big laugh and it's really funny. So. Yeah. No, I, I love that. Like if anything, Stephen A. Smith should be on ESPN 23 and a half hours. I, a I agree. I agree. Just giving takes on literally <laughs> anything. So I'm going to go with a repeat. This is a three timer. I believe if I have it correct, Mr. Mayor Eric Adams. This is what you get when you have a fucking cop as mayor, ex-cop as mayor. So I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was a video that kind of went viral the other day outside of the Drake concert in the Apollo. I saw they, that. The NYPD was filming people, people, pretty much people's faces as they were coming out. And obviously people took this as a, an ability for them to get facial recognition software on people. He said it was for... Oh, it's for a social media thing that we're doing um, about yeah. the about how great like Drake is and like you know <laughs> and like we're we're gonna we're gonna make like a testimonial about it. It's we're great for New York. Liar. And he and it's such a fucking lying piece of shit. And that he's literally and I would love to see if they were doing that outside of, outside of a Taylor fucking Swift concert. I guarantee they weren't. 
Um, so yeah, at, at the Apollo, of course, it's a Drake concert, and like that, and you literally see these smug assholes just filming people as they come out, and it's just, it is just slime ball behavior, and this is exactly what you get when you get a former cop as uh, as mayor of New York. So he didn't, he, it wasn't bad enough. He fucked us in the in the uh, midterms, um, and now he's just making it worse and worse as it goes. So Eric Adams, congratulations, three yeah, times I believe. Big goob, yeah. He gets a he gets like a bottle can opener from Second Mouse or something like yeah. that. Goob alert. Fucking mace. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <'em. laughs> uh, mine's just fucking stupid. Um, we like stupid. so. I, I don't. I don't know the whole gist of it to be completely honest here, but like I'm assuming Porsche is not doing very well at the the car brand. Um, because they've unveiled this new thing of um, limited edition Porsche NFTs and your opportunity to buy an overpriced NFT. You get to customize and make your own Porsche. They all start with a white Carrera. Uh, There's only 7,500 that will be in production. Missed the boat on that one. Um, Yeah, you're about a year late. Very late to the game here. So late to the game. Um, And yeah, you're basically, you make your video game car and you pay an arm and a leg for it. And I'm sure people are going to fucking do it, but it's feels very slimy and desperate. And I don't really know what it's going to do for your brand, except excessively mock you. Um, I, I, it's just, if it's a publicity stunt, it just seems like your marketing team really you know, like fucked fucked up on this one. I I don't know what to make of it. Porsche is you know it's a it's a name. It's it's the James Bond car, right? Like it's it's not S- Aston Martin. Martin. No. Oh, it's right. Yeah, never yeah. mind. Okay, more, so more, I exp- more expensive. So car. now now they're the luxury NFT brand. So yeah. there you go. So Martin, um, much more expensive. Porsche has gone yeah. through a lot of issues in the past like seven or eight months. Um, the folks that follow formula one, um, Porsche is owned by VW group and Audi is also owned oh, by VW. Okay. It's all Germans. A little bit of it. The Germans. Um, the, oh, the Germans. The Germans. Um, and Porsche made this big thing about how they were going to join formula one and they were going to be an engine manufacturer and they were going to do all these things. Come to find out, Audi is going to be the team that's going to join Formula One after two years of Porsche like kicking around saying that they want it in. And for for Porsche, which is the sports car company, to be beat out by Audi and VW give the blessing to Audi. And then this shit, like, I'm really kind of surprised that Porsche is really just getting cucked by the, like the luxury car brand of VW. It's again, like, it's like, is their financials that bad that they're like making, like they're going through these like gimmick iterations to stir their, like put their name out there. And like, it's just seems like, uh, I don't know. It's such a bad, bad move. You're late to the game, but you're a luxury, but, but you're like a, a high end car company. Like, yeah. Who would buy this and why? I feel like it's more detrimental to like your current consumer, right? Like it feels tacky, like, doesn't it? Yeah, like like now I got like you're in on the crypto scam, you know what I mean? Like it's 
And you're, you're again, you're two and a half years late to it too. Like they're the, the NFT market is effectively dead. I don't know why you would say like, Oh, you can now like use this Canva page to create a fucking NFT for your Porsche car. When in reality, very the car, yeah, it's very stupid, but that's a, that's definitely a good <laughs> asshole of the week. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I guess I'll just jump right into to picks there. Um, Tom, you actually mentioned it uh, slightly before, um, but I think you were just talking about his talk show. Um, I'm talking about Bomani uh, Bomani Jones's uh, TV show. Game Theory is back. Um, it's a great show. If you've never seen it before, yeah, it's good. Um, he does pieces that are really awesome. Like last year, he did a total takedown on coach K and it was fucking awesome. So expect more of that. Um, I, I look forward to seeing what he has to say and I haven't seen, did they change the setup of the episodes? Uh, is, is it going to be just an eight series episode queue? Do you know, or a season? I, I'm, not, they, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. Extended it? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, I'm hoping for more. It felt like last year was just a pilot. And this year they'll they'll step it up and do more, yeah. but I'm not sure. I expected I'm... a little bit more from last year because I listened to his podcast pretty frequently, mm-hmm. and I felt like the show, the the actual show on HBO was too scripted. Like he's really funny when he kind of ad libs and goes off the cuff, but I feel like he was reading too much off the teleprompter. I felt like, I felt like that with Jesus and Mero, mm-hmm. like when they did the Showtime show instead of the vice show, I, I felt like they were better on the vice show because they were just unscripted. And it's like, everything was like a little too scripted on Showtime. Yeah. And it's, I listened, I watched the first episode of this season too. I feel like that show could be like another, like 15 minutes longer. Because it's only a half hour, I think. It's either like a half hour or 35 it, minutes. It, it's very quick. And fast because of the way they do their segments. And they have like the uh, – they would go onto like the street and they'd ask people like how they feel about certain things. And yeah, it would eat away a lot of their clock, right? Yeah. But I like the show. Don't get me wrong. I like him. I like the guys. I like the people that he has on that show. I just wish it was a little bit longer. In eight episodes, especially for a sports show – feels really really brief i think it was i think probably was a test run last year so it'd probably be mm. more this that's fair and, and and that's why i'm kind of like looking forward to this season because they probably went back and they said hey how can we improve and i think we'll see some of that improvement this time gotcha so. cool q you want to go sure 80 for brady guys oh, gotta fuck. see it no I'm why kidding. i'm totally <laughs> kidding um i've fallen down a youtube wormhole guys it's called the button so if you type in the button to YouTube, you'll see it. I don't know if you guys remember. I'll take you down a little nostalgia trip. Uh, MTV show Next. You ever see that show? Yes. Okay. Concept for oh, anybody who doesn't. <laughs> any for anybody who doesn't remember that show it was a it was a horrible horrible show that MTV used to air. Four girls or four guys on a bus. They come off and then basically they have like a mini date and then at any point that person who's the host of it can say next and bring on the next person. The button is a similar concept. So basically, it's a room full of men and women. They basically come out. There's a button sitting in the middle of the table. Now, they start talking. They get to know each other. 
And at any point, once the button lights up red, they can, whoever hits it first, if someone decides to hit it, basically that person gets up, the other person gets up, walks away, next person comes in. The funniest thing is, is it really is kind of an interesting look at human nature because the concept of the show is to develop a conversation with somebody, get to know them. And hopefully, and if you, if everyone, if you get through a certain, I think it's 10 minutes without hitting the button, you can then make a decision to go on a second date and then you win. Right. The funniest thing is you see it turn into this competition to who can hit the button fast enough. (laughs) And you see scheming (laughs) and planning and like a person who maybe bangs it too many times. You'll see like, if a woman is hitting it too many times, the guys will go back there and go, yo, get her the fuck out of here. And it's like it turns into like full scale war, and it's just fucking compelling, man. I I love every That's second so of it. Bizarre, man. It's so terrible, but it I'm I'm addicted to it. It's amazing, you guys. I, I recommend. You might fall down a wormhole with it. It's so weird and out there, but like it just brings me that nostalgia. Because I said I've told Gato this in the past that like I don't think they could make those shows anymore, like Room Raiders and shit. This is very similar to next, and it's like dude, that was I was just thinking about room raiders. Yeah, room raiders. Oh um, my god. Uh what was the date my mom or something? That show God, it was just pure trash. And this is pure trash, and I love every second of it. This oh that sounds insane. Because it's it it turns into less about connection and more about insecurity the entire some people thing. some people are brutally honest too some people most of the time they're like oh i just didn't feel a connection and like but some guy one guy was like you're not cute nice. <laughs> wow <laughs> there's also a blindfolded version which is also quite good as well i i feel like all of this is leading to like the making of the motion picture ass it's 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 really it's it's all on youtube and it's just it's really fucking good so i love it um so my pick of the week is actually going to be a chapo trap house original it's a mini series that they have called hell on earth yes it's about um the run-up to the 30 years war I listened to the first episode. It's really, really interesting and compelling because it talks about a time in world history where Europe is effectively on fire for a number of reasons. There's like, it's a really violent time. Um, they're going through a mini ice age. The, the Holy Roman Emperor Empire is starting to fall apart and you have all of these like mini kingdoms and realms fighting one another. But you also have Martin Luther and the 95... Um, theses effectively going up against the church that whole first episode is basically how martin luther was this guy who went against the church but he was really a pro-establishment guy also had a strange obsession with shit too um really really weird but it's it's can you elaborate just a little bit about that (laughs) i just because you can't leave me on a cliffhanger like that tom so a lot of his scripture, a lot of his text, and a lot of the things that he talks about talks about um, referring to like human excrement, and he refers to himself as like a piece of shit being passed through like the anus of time. <laughs> wow. 
Um, he also like taunted this dude the dude was onto something. He taunted the devil, saying like, "I'm gonna rub my shit in your face" or something like that. God. But it this guy was just hysterical. Yeah, but he was also like, like anti-Semitic and also like, oh, very oh, pro. Of course, and the, and the shoe drops. <laughs> very pro like establishment. Like he's like, no, the the church is horrible, but we need kings to keep people safe, um, and we need oh, laws. Okay. I, so, I I see it's Matt and Chris who do this one, and Matt is always so entertaining. So I'm. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna dig on dig into this now. I will say though, the first episode is the only one that's free. You have to buy the rest on their website, which honestly, I'm willing to do that. They might they sometimes unlock them from the paywall. Um, it's Patreon. You can get the Patreon. Yeah, you as long as you are like as long as you're able to pay for them. But you should also listen to because Chapo and QAnon Anonymous podcast they did a crossover where Matt and Chris talked about hell on earth on the q and anonymous podcast like listen to that get a feel for it because they talk about also a lot of the crossover between where they were in the 1600s or in the 17th century with where we are now and yeah. they make a really interesting comparable to during that time the printing press started to get hot as now like twitter and social media is a new form of media that has reframed the way that people are looking at themselves, society, and the printing press did that at this time as well, where there's this multiple climate crises happening, wars across Europe, and then we're doing something very similar now where there's wars in Europe, climate crisis, new media. It's very, very interesting how they framed it. So the title of the podcast like series is called Hell on Earth, Again, give it a listen. They actually have a really cool bibliography and atlas on their website too, because some cases, some of these kingdoms are a little hard to follow from time to time. Yeah, and for anybody who's looking for it, it's not a separate entity. It's all under the Chapo, um, like it's under the Chapo feed if you're looking in like Apple or something. Yep. But the Patreon is like I think it's like five bucks, so it's it's well worth it. Yeah. See, uh, episode one was definitely worth it. And yeah. you feel smarter when you leave it. But you yeah. also, I'm lifting weights at the gym and I'm fucking laughing my ass off. Yeah. Jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> definitely. All right, guys. Anything else? Uh, All right. Go 49ers. Yeah. Go 49ers. So um, you've got our picks. We'll be dropping some of this stuff. Um throughout the week on YouTube. If you all could do us a favor and follow the discord, follow the podcast as well at second mouse podcast. You can go to the Twitch page and actually find our discord link in there. It runs in perpetuity. So you can jump in whenever you want. Also, we have a podcast that we release every Friday and you should follow that and listen to it. Tell all your friends, and tell us your picks of the week, your asshole of the week, all of those things. Be good people. Help us out. Yeah, no, seriously. Join our fucking Discord. We have lots of cool fucking channels. There's lots of things you can do on them. We got the best fucking emojis. We're going to add some other integrations so that you can do other cool shit. Fucking what are you waiting for, you giant pieces of shit? I was no, also seriously. streaming video games on Sunday, too, so should watch that. Exactly. You can watch Tom play the 
fucking MS DOS version of Call of Duty. <laughs> Loves Battlefield. <laughs> Peace, y'all. Later. Okay, let's get me a rhythm. Then he says, and I'm not kidding you, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Jokes, Mr. Jokey. Joke maker. Ha! <laughs> Suck it, Jack Sparrow. <laughs>